This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome along to your Bank Holiday Monday edition of the programme. It's the 25th of May. And it seems like a few hours since we were here yesterday. Wait a minute, we were here a few hours ago yesterday, which was lovely. And uh, nice day yesterday. What the, I can't remember the dickens I did yesterday. Isn't it awful when you sort of you think, did I do, what did I do? I can't remember. Oh, that's right. Oh, I tell you what, we did loads yesterday, but the traffic in town was abysmal. The traffic in town is really bad this morning as well, because people go, it's a bank holiday, we don't need to worry about it. And the 4am spikers, you're up with the lark, it's going to rain. That's the best I can offer you for Bank Holiday Monday, but we shouldn't be surprised. It always rains on Bank Holiday Monday. So I think it's, uh, I think it's garden centre today. One of my neighbours has been very kind and emptied two pots for me. So I've now got two pots to fill up, which is great news. Fears for a missing schoolgirl. Uh, six out of ten motorists, according to the papers today, failing new roadside tests. Apparently it's either drink or drugs. Can't really be anything else, can it? Uh, also, uh, Brussels in a bid to ban us. Shielding children from internet porn. I don't know why they'd want to ban us from doing that. Uh, also, do you remember the um, the cyclist on the pavement who dragged that little girl along? Well, bleating little Mary that he is today, ladies and gentlemen. He's in the papers going, no, far from it. It's destroyed my life. Destroyed my life. I don't know. The dumber they find them, you know, the more we feature them on this programme. Uh, who spends a £1,000 a time at the hairdresser? We found a woman in the paper. She thinks nothing. They've actually put pictures up of six women. And they've said one of these ladies spends nothing on her hair and one spends a thousand pounds a time. A thousand pounds a time. And I couldn't imagine spending a thousand pounds. A friend of mine, though, spends about 60, 70 quid a time, whereas I spend a fiver. A fiver, because to be honest with you, it's only clippers and then just sort of finish it off and all the rest of it. But, uh, but to spend an awful lot of money on hair, I see it's a terrible waste. Terrible waste. But that's just me. Alicia Dixon says, I never mime. Now, I'm not sure if that's a direct throw at Cheryl Versace's spag bowl. I'm not sure if that's uh, throwing to her because we know that she's not a great singer. We know that she's not a great singer. In fact, she's not really a singer at all. She sort of does quite well with doing lots of little dance moves, but she's about so big. She's so tiny. If she walked in a room now with Kylie Minogue, you wouldn't see them. You'd have no idea they were in the room. And so she mimes. We know that. She's had a little attempt at singing and they always finish up. Most of these little people who aren't much cop at singing, they mime the song and then the last bit... They turn their mic on, so they go, yeah, and they go, thank you very much. And everybody goes, oh, they were singing live. And you go, no, they just turned the mic on at the end. It's just to make you believe. So Alicia Dixon says uh, she never mind. She wouldn't, she wouldn't cheat her fans. A direct throw to, to old Cheryl, who, uh, as I say, last hardly worth bothering going in a studio now. A bit like Sarah Harding. Don't, don't waste everybody's time, dear, because it's finished. It's not going to happen. I'm not totally convinced that uh, Aston Merigold's going to score well. We were saying yesterday that once people leave groups which have been successful, and the fact that JLS weren't towards the end meant they all had to go off and do different things. And yet the only person who can't actually do anything is Aston Merigold. But yet he was the only one who I think was singing for a living. I think he was the one, he was doing all the kids' programmes, where I used to watch him all the time, singing and dancing, and that was what he was actually very good at. Now he thinks that there's an audience back again for him, and I don't think there is. I seriously don't. Looking at the track record of people in, in the business over the years, if you've been in a successful group and then you leave it to go solo, it doesn't quite work. The public don't buy into it. The girls can't buy into it. At least if there's a group, there's a bit of choice. If there's only one person up there, you know, it's not really... And he's not the best looking in the world. He's OK, but he's not the best looking in the world. 
So I always think it's kind of, what do you do? Perhaps you should have opened a tea shop, which would have been, you know, marginally more exciting, especially with the, the way the weather's going. So anyway, yesterday, we have a, a lovely walk around Regent's Park, which was, uh, which was lovely. Very nice indeed. And then we headed into town and we did the V&A, because I think the V&A opens about 9.30 in the morning. And it was lovely. We spent a few hours at the V&A, going around all the galleries. Found some galleries that we hadn't seen before. There's a lovely jewellery gallery. We'd been in the jewellery gallery, and it's got all these jewels from all these families from years ago, um, who obviously not bequeathed them, but loaned them to the V&A Museum, because it's cheaper than insuring them in the bank. And so there's the most stunning jewellery, the most stunning tiaras, the most stunning... I mean, ladies, you would go crackers. It's a bit like Gemporia, only classy. You know, Gemporia is all is all the tat, you know, and the and the bimbos who sell on those sort of channels sit there trying to make out. I mean, the other day, they've, they've now gone so stupid. One of them, the price came up £113,000. £113,000. And it came down to, I think it was about £69. So you know what crap it is you're buying. But then you would know that anyway, because you're not spending a lot of money on something. If they're sort of selling a ring and they go, oh, this, this... I mean, obviously tanzanite isn't half as rare as they're trying to make out it is, because they've got tons of it. Every channel's got tanzanite. You can't move... I mean, in fact, I'm awash with tanzanite in here this morning. But the worst thing, and she's back on the television and she's dragged them to the level which she is... Sally Jacks on Ideal World. You know, the channel was so classy and it was so good and they had nice presenters who had what I call middling voices. All the girls were good and now you've got Sally Jacks and you remember Sally Jacks, don't you? In fact, they've taken two from Bid Television. Is it Bid Up or whatever it was? Whatever it was, it went under and uh, they all lost their job. Now they've got a bloke on there, kind of talks like that. And, you know, he's like a third-hand car dealer. Sally Jacks comes on, apart from the fact that her voice has got worse, she squeals. She squeals. It's the most awful voice you've ever heard in your entire life. And she's literally taken Ideal World down to her own gutter level. They used to be really good, and I liked them because I liked all the presenters on. There's a couple of the ladies, they're really super, and then they've got Sally Jacks on. And that was the reason that bid went on her. Crap presenters. You know, I don't want to be rude. At, well, I do. I have to be rude about it, because it went under. It went under and it stayed under. And then Sally Jack sat at home, I don't know, feeding her face by the look of it. And then blow me down, they put her back on the telly again. And I remember sitting there the other day going, you really are dreadful. You know, give it up as a bad job, please. It makes so much more sense. It really does. Anyway, I'm the, the Duracell bunny of early morning radio. Doesn't sound that exciting, does it really? But it, I think it means we, we, we keep going because otherwise normally at four o'clock in the morning people are going, oh, so tired, four o'clock. I'm not tired. I'm wide awake at four in the morning. And I had um, I had a couple of um, little conifer things on my on my wall on uh, in pots. And then, unfortunately, they died. But I'd had them for about six or seven years. And I've been sitting there looking at them. And my neighbour, luckily, had the presence of mind. He said, do you want me to get rid of them? I said, yeah. So I went there the other day and uh, I had a look again this morning to remind myself. And he's, he's taken them all out of the pots. Brilliant, because I think they'd used all the earth up. So today I can go out and put... I've got, I've got the earth. I can put the earth in there and then I can uh, put in two new plants, which I'm very much looking forward to doing. I mean, it's amazing, the simple things that we have in life. And it's bank holiday. So what do we do bank holiday Monday? We don't do anything. We generally go to garden centres. The garden centres will be waiting for everybody to go. And... Um, and then the heavens are going to open because that's what they've said. I was asking, isn't it funny? You ask a question of somebody and then blow me down. A couple of days later in the paper, up it comes. And the question I said to a friend of mine, they were talking. Uh, we were all talking about 
the uh, the paedophile ring, which they say was operating inside the House of Commons. You know, the amount of MPs who were covered up, dead now, but who everybody knew who had links to people like Jimmy Savile or little girls or thing, whatever it was. I remember thinking to myself at the time, there's all these sort of all these people within the House of Commons. I was beginning to wonder whether or not it was some giant sort of club for it and they all looked after themselves. And that's why now they're, they're sort of trying to brush it under the carpet. And we were talking about gay MPs because now we've got transgender MPs coming in and I don't know whether you have to build a separate toilet for them. I don't know how it works. I've got no idea. I just know that now it's a good cross-section. And the funny thing is the name came up time and time again over the years. Edward Heath. Was he gay? Was Edward Heath gay? And the new book, which is out, I think it comes out today, they've started serialising it in the papers, saying exactly that. Did Edward Heath have an affair with his bodyguard? We knew that he hung around with uh, a lot of gay people. Everybody is under no doubt whatsoever that he was gay, but he was what's commonly known as in the closet. He would never have come out. His, his, uh, his work as an MP and as Prime Minister was far more important. And he came from a generation where people didn't talk about things like that. So people had friends... But they didn't do anything. If you want if you want a snapshot or a cutting of exactly how it was in those days, get a film with Dirk Bogard called Victim. Dirk Bogard was a married barrister in this, but he was gay and he'd had an affair with, with lots of different uh, people. But they tried to cover it all up. And in those days, people, because it was illegal, people were outing people left, right and centre. But in the case of Ted Heath... He was always, you know, terribly jolly, and everybody went, he's definitely gay. And this book says they're, they're under no illusion that he was gay, but he, they don't think he ever had an affair with anybody at all. He was so, he was so introverted and so repressed about it, he couldn't, he couldn't do anything. He said he couldn't, he couldn't go out, could you, and do anything. If you're Prime Minister of the country, what the dickens do you do with that? Ridiculous. Uh, 84850, the £5, Steve, you spend on your hair. Is that a pound for the haircut and £4 finder's fee? Thank you. Yes, it's oh sorry. It's a little bit of a little bit of a treasure hunt with my hair. But I think it's I think it's a haircut. I think it's a haircut. Warren thinks everybody's gay. <laughs> it's, it would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it, really? I've come to the conclusion everybody in Ireland must be. They really must be. I mean I've never known so many gay people out on the streets. You know, everybody out there and celebrating. They've got the vote, 70-30. And then yesterday, everybody was talking about it. It's amazing, actually, when, when Christo was talking about it, the amount of bigotry that still came out. I was quite surprised, actually. I thought people would have got over things like that in the year 2015. But there are still people who uh, who will say, no, 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 it says in the Bible, blah, blah, blah. You know, and you think to yourself, my God, you've read the Bible really well, haven't you? The answer is no, they haven't. They're just sort of following a path, a well-worn path, used by people who like to phone radio stations and say, because they like to be different don't they they like to be different like to, well you know of course you know it says in the bible man shall not lie with man and um, and then you think well I'm, I'm not actually totally convinced by this at all i don't think anybody's ever actually read the bible cover to cover i don't believe anybody has i mean there's just far too many words in there far too complicated and you're not telling me that there were no gay people in the bible there must have been but the law of averages one in four is gay. You don't think it just sort of came along an invention of the 20th century, do you? Good God in heaven. I should imagine Galilee must have been overrun with gay bars. God. Garden of Gethsemane, biggest cruising ground going. 
What's interesting is that when you look back, you think, oh, do you think, do you think there were gay cavemen? You thought, well, of course there must have been, yes. Must have been. I mean, if you're actually saying that God created people, then if he created cave, if you believe and subscribe to that, of course, then he obviously created gay people, and he must have done it with uh, sort of cavemen as well. Must have been a bit difficult if you were a gay caveman and you couldn't find anybody else in your community. That must have been a bit of a nightmare, mustn't it? Uh, 84850, apparently, Sasha says, in America, black women spend more than a thousand a month on their, their uh, weaves. To look good for work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Th- these aren't black women in this country. This is a white woman. But you wait till I read what, what she says about her thousand-pound uh, cut that she had. She, I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you because it's actually quite uh, quite funny. 84850, uk. Bank holiday Monday, quarter past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 18 minutes past four. It's Monday the 25th. It's bank holiday Monday. Whoopee! Whatever that means. Well, I know what whoopee means, but I'm not sure whether or not today you're going to be excited going out. But it is a day off, isn't it? And whichever way you look at it, you think to yourself, we might as well do something. And I always say to people, do something. Don't sit at home. The longer you leave it sitting at home, the more you're kind of wasting the day. And because yesterday I went to the V&A and I would recommend anybody to go to the museums. Seriously, because they're free. At the Science Museum, they're a bit sneaky. They send you through a turnstile, which, of course, most people think you have to pay. Well, you don't have to pay. You can just go, you can circumvent it. Just go, I'm just going to the shop. It's awful when you have to make excuses. You feel like saying, excuse me, I'm British. I've paid for this. You know, this comes out of my taxes. I'm not blooming well paying again, thank you very much. Indeed. Charge the tourists, I couldn't care less about them. But uh, never pay to go in a museum. They ask, I think, in the V&A for a donation. And, um, and I've joined the V&A before, and everybody was doing it. I was amazed. The queues are still there for the Alexander McQueen exhibition. I mean, seriously. The queues stretch down the corridor for people to go and see the Alexander McQueen stuff. And you can always tell there's something odd about people in fashion. They wear the most peculiar clothes. I mean, you could spot them a mile off. There was one guy walking around the shop with his boyfriend, and he was dressed up like Adamant, like sort of some pirate. I mean, I've never seen anything so peculiar in my life. He had the little sort of backpack on, which is the latest gay accessory, and uh, and he had this sort of pirate's outfit on, and straight away you knew that he was obviously in the world of fashion because they're all slightly odd. They're slightly crap. We see, you know, you see models walking down the street or, or women of a certain age who are in fashion and they've just got no idea how to dress. They th- it's like the emperor's new clothes. They think that what they're wearing is terribly fashionable. We just look at them and go, you look like a turnip, love. You're re- I mean, it's like Cara Delevingne. When she goes out, she doesn't sort of dress up or do anything because she's in the business. I think it's people on the periphery and you see them at all the fashion shows. Yeah, but we are fashionistas, darling. We do. We turn up at these events and we'd look fabulous. It is a bit like Ab Fab, where she wore all the outfits, but nothing ever suited her. And this was like the V&A yesterday. But it's worth going. It's a huge museum. Just do a bit of it. Just do a bit of it. And, and go and have some food because their um, they're catering facilities there are great. Don't have the cheese roll, though, outside. Uh, a, because it's the most bland thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. Normally stuff's good. See, I've been spoiled by a Pret-a-Manger, huge amount of calories, baguette with red onion, uh, a salsa kind of thing and some lovely cheese. The one at the uh, V&A Museum was bland. I mean, seriously, I wouldn't be eating it ever again. That was how bland it was. Uh, 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk. Noreen says, I cut Brian's hair every couple of weeks. Was well, a quick going over with a razor. Maybe I should start charging. Are geraniums the sort of plants that don't need a lot of attention? The reason I ask is we've not done our pots yet, as we're away soon on holiday. Somebody said they're okay to leave one. Yeah, they are. Geraniums kind of seem to survive, you know, fire, flood and pestilence. 
everything. I, I, so I put them in this year. But you can get some really, really good geraniums. You can get um, all-year-round geraniums. I've had them all the way through the winter. And some really, you know, not just the standard-looking geraniums, but, but sort of some really pretty flowers. Get the variegated leaf ones. You probably pay about three ninety nine for a pot, an established pot plant, and really nice. And so I put those in all of them, and they're sort of pretty little, pretty little reds and, and things like that. Really nice. Really, really nice. So that, that's what I would recommend. And you could go away on holiday for a week. You know, and the neighbours wouldn't have to sort of put too much water in them. In fact, they, they'd probably survive quite nicely. But I love them. Fuchsias, a little bit of a pain. Don't really do fuchsias. Delphiniums, as we've established, attract green fly. But uh, you'll all be, everybody will be going out to the garden centres today. Even if it rains, I'll be going to the garden centre. It makes it more fun. But I'm furious because I bought this coat about six months ago. It's quite nice. It's got lo- I bought it because it's got loads of pockets. So see, loads of pockets to put things in. And I must have lent up against the sink, which had some bleach on it because it's bleach one of the pockets. And I noticed it yesterday and I thought, oh, God, I'll have to go and buy a coat now today. Luckily, we've been paid. Perhaps I could do it on easy pavements. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, let me, I'll, I'll do the weather now, because Lindsay sent it through. Mainly dry, but cloudy. A uh, little cooler than Sunday. Rather cloudy skies. Outside chance of a light shower in a few spots. Some brighter spells also possible, likely later in the day. And then a few isolated showers overnight. Tuesday, largely dry day with patchy cloud and bright or sunny intervals. Best of the brightness. in Yeah, it's OK. It's not too bad, actually. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. If you read the newspapers today, you'd seriously think that, that the heavens were going to open and we're all going to drown. We seem to be, uh, we seem to be OK. We seem to be OK at the moment. So Simon and Garfunkel, they're still, still arguing. Still arguing after all this time. After all this time. And so now Art Garfunkel has said that Paul Simon's an idiot. And, you know, you think, oh, God. Okay. Yeah, the funny thing is that when they actually get back together... They do, you know, really, really uh, work their little socks off. They toured everywhere. But I should imagine after a while, they must get bored, you know, witless with singing, Hello, darkness, my old friend, like a bridge over... They must get really bored with it. Whereas we love it, because that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what we grew up with. And it's, you know, it's just, it's just a shame when they argue, but they are in their 70s. And if you're in your 70s, it kind of it kind of makes a little bit, you know, a little bit of a problem because obviously there's there's, there's an awful lot of um, water under the bridge. Oh, Warren, who knows all about plants, he says um, uh, geraniums good to leave, fuchsias no, they need shade and lots of watering. I know, and the worst thing is Warren, as you and I know, because Warren's had his garden open to the public. Um, it's a case of you um, you put them out there and then they start dropping. And they start, and so every morning you're picking out. And I thought one year I'll just do all fuchsias, all fuchsias. What a big mistake that was. So this year, all geraniums with some verbena and a few other little things, million bells, million flowers, stuff like that, which is uh, which is much easier, much easier, and uh, won't take too much watering because geraniums it, they they really seem to be quite uh, quite good for stuff like that. So that would be the that would be the uh, the answer for those ones. Um, Will Young, as I say, he's in all the papers today because they're now saying he could be the first gay host of Top Gear. I thought, oh, God, no. I mean, Will Young has been out of the limelight for ages. You know why? He's, he doesn't need to worry about the money. He was always very, 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 very rare. Uh, very, very rare in the, in the entertainment business because when he won the X Factor, and I think he won it over, over Gareth Gates, 
I think. And what they do in the X Factor, because you get so much money, they they were they were saying to him, OK, we'll, we'll send a car to pick you up. You've got an interview with Steve Allen or you've got this and that. And he was saying, no, so I'll, I'll, I'll get myself there. I don't, I don't need a car. They said, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll send a photographer and makeup artist. He said, no, I don't need any of that. And so he was quite canny. He came from a very, very, very middle-class family. You know, they're not... They're, they're fairly well-heeled, the family. So he wasn't about to waste money in any way, shape or form. Whereas all the pop stars I've ever known over the years, the record companies send them a car and, you know, hair and makeup and all this kind of thing. You're paying for it. And Will Young decided that, you know, he didn't want to pay for it. He wanted to keep the money. It's far more beneficial. He can, he can get on a bus. I think when we were in... We were in one of our places. I can just get the bus there. It just drops me off on the corner and I'll walk there. He's quite unpretentious about it. But uh, he sort of disappeared for a while, presumably putting the finishing touches. And then there's all these ridiculous stories appearing in the, in the papers about him being the first gay presenter for Top Gear. And, and I thought, why would they be mentioning Top Gear? His name hasn't cropped up up until now. They say well, producers would be quite keen to have him do it. No, they wouldn't. Why would they be remotely interested? I think the programme's going to sink, to be honest with you. Either they're going to put Clarkson back in there and all the team, or they're going to lose the audience, because people only like that programme because of Jeremy Clarkson, because of Richard Hammond, and because of uh, Mr May. That was the only reason people liked it. I wasn't even bothered about the cars. Although I did learn a fascinating fact the other day. I was, I'm just, I was sitting at home, and I was thinking, you know, about... Um, what was I thinking about? I was thinking about taxi cabs. I was thinking about taxi cabs. And... Um, I don't know why I'm thinking about taxi cabs. So I watched Carry On Cabby, which is uh, which was a lot of it was filmed in Windsor. Uh, they filmed in Windsor. But what I didn't know is that a lot of the cabs in it in Carry On Cabby, which was all really old cabs. It was a, it was a story about Sid James, who owned a, a cab company, an old fashioned black cab uh, company and um, and his wife. And his wife decides she's sitting at home, she's twiddling her thumbs and she's sick to death. You know, every opportunity is out in the cab, every opportunity is going out there and doing... And so she sets up a rival. She sets up glam cabs. And glam cabs is all full of absolutely gorgeous girls driving cars. Well, of course, in those days, what would you rather sit in, a rickety old black cab or be with a glamorous woman driving it? And uh, so they ended up taking the business. And, of course, he went up the wall. But I was reading all about it. And uh, apparently they rented the cabs, even Peg One, which was his named after his wife in it. And uh, they rented them for a fiver a day from a company opposite the Oval who had all these cabs and they were renting five pounds a day for a taxi. If you believe it, these black cabs. And if it came with a driver, seven and six an hour, seven and sixpence an hour. So that's what eight shillings. That's under under 50 pence an hour for a driver. Far too much money, as far as I was concerned. And so, <laughs> and I was reading all about it, and Jim Dale appeared in this one. He actually took over from somebody else, and so Jim Dale had his first part doing his, his comedy. And next week on In Conversation, there's a slick link if ever there was one, next week on In Conversation, Jim Dale is going to be in talking about his, uh, his career. And not just carry-ons. He did 11 carry-ons, which I think is about three more than Barbara did. I think she did eight carry-ons, but of course she was th- nearly stark naked in, in front of him <laughs> on the trolley when he was Dr Nuki. But we'll, we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the fact that he narrated Harry Potter in America, and every time he went out, kids recognised him, and he had to do the voices, because he did all the voices on the, on the narration of the books. My favourite was, I, I told my brother the story the other day. He said, he said he was in McDonald's. He said, and two, two kids, and they went, wow, you're the voice of Harry Potter. You do Harry Potter. He said, yes. And he said, can you order me my food? 
in, in sort of the style of Dobby. And so he would go, I, I, I want a cheeseburger, a, a cheeseburger, and, and a chocolate milkshake, which of course made it a, sound a little bit like sort of a television programme over here. But uh, the, these kids just lapped it all up. They thought it was absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. Apparently, before in conversation last night, Clive Ball did a programme about security. Oh, is that the, he had on James Friedman, didn't he? Was he talking about pickpocketing? Is he, he's, he's bringing his pickpocketing show into the, into the West End. Uh, Mark says, Tanzanite is a rare form of something named after a mine in Tanzania. The light purple is a bit, well, the deep blue ones are far more valuable. Only comes from one mine in the world, so they're rarer than diamonds. Well, they've got tons of it on all these crappy jewellery channels. Tons of it. No sign of it running out anytime soon, put it that way. Rubbish. Rubbish. Luton had a carnival yesterday. Really? Luton had a car. What would be the point of that? A carnival in Luton? God, I can't think of anything worse. Who would take part in that? A carnival in Luton? Good God. It's for Steve Allen on LBC. I knew I'd get something wrong this one. I very rarely get something wrong, but sometimes the mind plays tricks. And Dan reminds me that it was Pop Idol that will won. Pop Idol. I should take myself outside and remonstrate with myself immediately. I'm so sorry. So, so, it's just a singing competition, isn't it? Uh, Rupert says, my friend Stuart owns the cab Peg One and regularly drives it to shows. God, it must be falling apart by now. It, it looked pretty ropey in the early days. Great film. Great film, Carry On Cabby. But you learn on the, on the extra bits. Five a day to have a cab. A five a day and seven and six an hour for the driver. <gasps> Sasha reckons Aretha Franklin's version of Bridge Over Troubled Water is better than Simon and Garfunkel. No, you can never beat the original. No, I could argue till the cows come home. And uh, Patrick says, I'm going to the V&A to see the Alexander McQueen exhibition. If I avoid the bland cheese sandwich, what would you recommend? The, uh, the smoked salmon and cream cheese bagel looked all right. That looked, I wish I'd had that, actually, to be honest with you. But the, uh, but the baguette that they serve outside, ghastly. I mean, absolutely ghastly. The roll was soft, and it's supposed to be a baguette, you know, supposed, and the, it was just bland cheese. It was just, it was cut way too thick. It was just horrid. In fact, actually, I remember leaving it a bit on the table and even the pigeons turned their noses up at it. So it must have been really, really bad. Apparently, Jenny says not only the cheese roll, but also the wine. Seven pounds at the V&A outside. Well, we paid for two double espressos, the cheese baguette and the smoked salmon and cream cheese. 16 pounds something. I mean, you need to take out a second mortgage. 16 pounds. I mean, you just assume that that's what you pay nowadays. I think the rolls were just under a fiver each. I mean, for a cheese roll, I ask you. Talk, you know, honestly, it's not like, you know, I mean, is anything actually good value nowadays? I mean, I felt like saying, do you take credit cards? And then, of course, she was more interested in talking to her colleagues. You know, at least when you're in Starbucks and places like that, they seem to treat you as if you are the only customer. The V&A, they couldn't give a forex. It's a shame, really, because I love the V&A. You know me, I'm often raving about the exhibitions. I love everything about it. Uh, so now we've got, for the Prosecco lovers amongst you, hello, hand up, uh, exploding bottles. Now, I've got some Prosecco. Um, Marks and Spencer got their Prosecco back in. And I quite like that. As Proseccos go, it's not bad. It's a wee bit expensive. But anyway, sometimes they have special offers. Um, and it's OK, but whenever you take the top off the Prosecco, you've got to watch it. Because they appear to be bottled under pressure. And the Prosecco that I bought from Costco the other day, which is delicious. It's re- you've got to hang on to that top because it's got the metal bit over the top. You take that off. Sometimes you've got to really hang on to it. And then you move the, the cork just a little tiny bit. And seriously, I've said, every time I've given it to friends of mine, I've said, listen, watch the cork. It's, it comes out at a rate of... You, seriously, if you just sort, of, just sort of took it, it would shoot through the ceiling. I promise you, it would take the ceiling down. It's as, it's as simple as that. It's, it's far too dangerous. Far too dangerous. 
Paul says, to be honest, I don't think another reunion between Paul and Art would be a good idea, even if they were talking. He did top the bill when they first brought back Sunday night at the London Palladium. It was absolutely terrible singing out of tune. I'd say my favourite Simon and Garfunkel thing is live... I think they're in America. They're at, I don't know, wherever it is, Madison Square Garden or something. And uh, they've got a really tight band with them, a really, really tight band. And it's just, they're obviously, you know, at their best, but then they just fall out. But then, you know, as people get older, they do fall out, don't they? They do fall out. It's got pictures in some of the papers day of that wedding. I don't want to go too much into it, because to be honest with you, the poor souls are so hard up, they, they, they've had to sell it to a magazine. But I can, I can only comment on the fact, because I was, I was looking through some of, the, uh, some of the pictures, and it was, look, at, oh yeah, you, you, the, the, the celeb list is Anthony Cotton and Brooke Vincent, Kevin Fletcher and his fiancée Liz, who nobody's got the faintest idea of, and that was about it. That was about it. And, uh, and then Lydia Dim and James. Lydia obviously decided not, not to bother wearing anything fashionable for the event. But the joke of the day had to be Mark's mother. Seriously, you'll see the picture today. <laughs> so I can't help but laugh. It's in the mirror today. There's a picture of Mark's mother. I think she thought she was going to the Ascot Gavotte. I seriously, she looked like a reject from My Fair Lady. Seriously, I mean, it was, it was a bit thin on the ground. A little bit thin on the ground. There were no sort of celebrities as such at all. And, of course, it was all covered up, so you couldn't take pictures of them going in because, they, um, because they, they'd already sold the pictures. But it's Mark's mother who looked like the right dog's dinner in it. What on earth she was wearing, I've got no idea. She must look so ridiculously out of place. Ridiculously out of place. But apparently they were on security alert down there in case poor old Doolally Lauren Goodyear would gatecrash the wedding. Uh, because she's been writing stuff on the internet. She's a bit of a bit of a pathetic waste of space, I'm afraid. And so she's still writing on Twitter, because she used to go out with him. Still writing. She's the kind of girl a guy meets when she's too young, and he's screwed up, and uh, that's because there's too much living to do, and later realises she's perfect. It's as if she... I mean, she can't leave it alone. She's so funny. She's so funny, and so sad. You know, you look at her and you think, poor old soul, honestly, what's she got going for her? Nothing at all. Nothing. Nobody wants to go out with her. It's a bit sad. I mean, poor old Lydia Dim. I mean, the best she can get is some bloke who exposes himself on the internet. That's the best she can get. The best she can get. Uh, fear is growing for a, a missing girl called Kaylee. This is Kaylee Hatton, believed to be. She's 16, believed to be the man of 51. Um, and they now think that she might have dyed her hair to avoid the police. She's quite clearly another one of these troubled 16-year-olds who uh, should have had a good slap on the back of her legs some years ago to teach her some manners. And so she's, uh, they've had this... Rela- it's a friend of her father's, I believe. And so they're going, where is she? Where is she? And everybody's going, I don't know, I don't know. Why would a 16-year-old want to run off with a 51-year-old? Can't understand it, can you? Mind you, we've had it before with sort of uh, teachers and pupils and stuff like that. Uh, Jim Dale... Steve was touted to play Doctor Who before John Pertwee. He replaced Bill Owen in the carry-ons, although they did use Bill Owen in Carry On Cabby, but he took over the uh, the roles that he was going to do, and the rest, as they say, is history. And they gradually sort of changed various uh, various people. But it was it was a great... It had all my favourites in it. Had all my favourites, including Liz Fraser, who was there, who I only saw the other day. She said, you're my life now. She, she listens to this programme all the time. All the time. Mind you, now I know, Liz, that The Guardian listened to this. I mean, honestly, I couldn't believe it. You heard about this, didn't you? That The Guardian radio reviewer um, 
listen to this programme, I was sort of reviewed in the garden. And I don't generally get reviews, because A, it's four o'clock in the morning, and uh, B, it's, uh, it has the biggest audience. It has the biggest audience of its, of its kind. I mean, this time of the morning, we wipe the board with everything. And it's absolutely fantastic. So, And it's been like that for years. Every time the figures come out, we do exactly the same. And they come out every three months. We always go, I wonder if we've been knocked off the perch. Nope, still there. And so the Guardian review it. The Guardian review it. And, uh, and the guy likes it. He absolutely likes it. He's, he's a, big, a big fan. A big fan of the show, which is uh, a guy called David Hepworth. He, he did describe it at the end of the article where he said it's like being stuck behind somebody who's driving you to the airport. You don't need to talk back to him. You don't need to answer. He doesn't take phone calls. He just does the entire programme based on his experiences, his prejudices and the newspapers. And he says, I quite like it. He said, Steve Allen is the Duracell bunny of early morning radio. Because he goes on and on. And that's what everybody says about it. It's fantastic. I, I can't get enough of it. Cannot get enough of it. So uh, here we are with, with early breakfast. Getting, you know, the, uh, getting the fans in. The 4am spike. The 4am spike is fantastic. You know, I mean, seriously, we only have to, I only have to look at the figures to just sort of secretly smile that uh, we're getting it right time and time and time again. Do you know what today is, by the way? I bet you've forgotten already. International Missing Children's Day. Apparently we now have a day for it. And, of course, what's the picture on the front? Kate McCann. You know, and it's just a case of... She says, tweet for our missing kids and help end the heartbreak. It's not going to make the slightest difference. We're still looking for Madeleine McCann. We are no closer, what is it, seven years down the line than we ever were. No nearer. Nobody being questioned, nobody being talked to. And we're spending millions looking after one child. When there are, in fact, thousands that go missing. Some turn up again, some don't. In the case of Madeleine McCann, I don't think she'll ever be found. But you have to keep looking, I suppose, if only to appease the, uh, the parents. But uh, I think eventually you have to scale it. I mean, what do we do for the rest of our lives? We spend millions and millions of pounds. Nick Ferrari's talked about this at length on LBC, and I've made my opinion quite clear. I don't think you ever give up hoping, but frankly, if they've tried everything... They're not going to find anything now. They're really not. We, we have no idea. She vanished, as far as we're concerned, into, uh, into thin air. Just vanished into thin air. One of many children every year. Uh, Laurie in uh, Canada says, uh, one thing I can't figure out, what's a bank holiday? Um, I don't know why they call it a bank holiday. I suppose for people who worked in banks, it was a holiday for them. That's the only thing I can think of. A bank holiday. Perhaps we should, what else can we call it? I suppose in different countries they have, like, Labour Day and things like that. Do you, have, you don't have bank holidays in Australia, do you, Chrissy? What do they call them over there when you have a... Is it just a public, public holiday? Yeah, over here, I suppose, it would be a public holiday as well. But we call them bank holidays. And to be honest with you, I've got no idea why we do. We just do, OK? doesn't make any difference. It just means that people take the, uh, the time off. And, um, and June says, oh, bless her heart, she's lovely. Anyone who has read the Bible cover to cover every word and truly studied it would not spout Leviticus as condemnation of homosexuality. That same block of text bans wearing linen and wool together, eating shrimp and much more. I've read cover to cover several times. Start at the beginning, one chapter a day, first thing. When I finish, I start again. She's been doing it since 1990 and still finds new depth. It's an interpretation, though, isn't it? The Bible is an interpretation of uh, scriptures that were translated as they were handed down. Because when they talk about the Virgin Mary... They don't mean Virgin Mary, otherwise they would have called her Virgo Intacta. So that's, that's why. It's an interpretation. People have changed it over the years, and they've come up with their own 
interpretation. If they didn't understand what a word was, they just put another word in there. And so gradually, it's like Chinese whispers. It's the same sort of thing as Chinese whispers. Uh, 84850, oh, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. This is... Uh, oh, what was the other thing? Oh, that's right. We the, the web trolls. The web trolls. You know, the people who are quite clearly barking mad. And then they write things to people. Offensive things. Uh, eight times more chance now of being taken to court. The police are prosecuting. There's an eight-fold rise in the prosecution of web trolls. Isn't that fantastic? I love that. I love it. I've always said said to somebody, you know, families who've, who've written to me saying, you know, we've, you know, our daughter was killed or was, you know, maimed or something, whatever it happened to be. And then people start writing filth on the internet. I say, you go to the police immediately. That's, that's your first port of call. You go to the police, you have these people arrested because if they've written anything on the internet, you can find them like that. They have a dedicated department at... Uh, a few of the police stations in London, and they're dedicated to finding these people. And you prosecute them. You take them to court and you destroy them. Because they think, because they're a bit simple in the, in the brain, that they can hide behind things. And, of course, they can't. So we get them prosecuted. And that means that everybody's happy. You take them out of the equation. You're effectively saving them from themselves because they're too stupid, some of them. They really are too stupid to realise anything at all. So if you get them arrested, that's great. Get the police going round. I know a number of police officers who would go round at five in the morning and do the old... Get them out of bed, get them arrested, get them into court, get them into prison. Fantastic. Job solved. Quarter to... Steve Allen on LBC... Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome along to uh, Bank Holiday Monday. This is what everybody wakes up to every morning of the week, including now Guardian readers, which I'm very excited. It's funny, actually, the moment you the moment you mention homosexuality in the Bible, you get all the all the bigots out. It's hilarious. I didn't realise. I thought Christo was just sort of making it up when he said you wouldn't believe the stuff that you get from people. I said, well, you know, perhaps they're a bit they're a bit cracked, aren't they? And then we found another one here who says, no wonder you're on in the early hours of the day. It says, nobody cares what you have to say. Of course they do, dear. You did. You wrote in. And then you look through the pictures and then you discover that this this person is a Trekkie and a sci-fi fan. So that, that signifies to me, mad, mad. Loves animals, equal rights for all, and a vegetarian, completely mad. And then, boring hermit, no people skills. I think that sums you up quite well, actually. And then we look through your lovely little pictures in your little media file. And, uh, and there's a picture of a cheap old Tanzanite which she's bought here, which she thinks is apparently quite rare. Bless your heart, honestly. So I've never actually had a, a thing from anybody who's actually shopped on some of these uh, channels on the television. I didn't realise people actually bought it. I thought it was generally people who sort of lived fairly up north. But uh, no, we found somebody down south. Even more exciting. But as uh, long as you're listening and as long as you're writing in. Thank you very much indeed. Love it. Love it. Uh, I'm on a small Greek island, says John. Uh which sounds quite nice. A small Greek island. Where is a small Greek island? And then Nigel in Bayswater says, etiquette, etiquette. I'm sure you know, when we open a bottle of sparkling wine, we turn the bottle, not the cork. Not with Prosecco, you don't. With Prosecco, you're clinging on to it. Believe you me. You, have, it, it, you cannot control the pressure that is coming out. There's a big feature in the paper today, and that's why, again, wrong with the old etiquette. You don't turn the bottle. You might do on normal things, but not on Prosecco. You can't. You can't... The pressure in it. Bottles are exploding in people's wine racks. Which, of course, made me laugh, because, to be honest with you, why you'd ever want to put Prosecco in a wine rack? It's like people go out and they go, I bought this lovely wine at £3.50. I'm going to hang on to it for a few years. And I, I always say to them, 
I drink it now, actually. I think it might have gone off by the weekend. All religions oppose the, its followers being gay, but that doesn't affect others. Jesus makes no mention of sexuality at all. Never would have been a problem or law about being gay if politicians hadn't made it illegal. Oh, I'm sure Galilee must have been chock-a-block. Chock-a-block. And you've got to watch the life of Brian to realise what was going on in those days. Uh, the church may have supported the old laws, but in the UK it would have been normal throughout the 20th century. Yes, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, you're not telling me that there aren't any gay Catholics or gay Jews or gay Muslims. Absolutely. Thousands. Millions. Millions. You can't move in Vatican City. I mean, the swishing of those robes as they whiz past you. I mean, goodness sake. It used to be described as a veritable fairyland. There were more things going on in there than you could ever shake a stick at. And there are gay Muslim groups on the internet. Gay Jewish groups. There's gay everything. That's not why people worry about it. What's it got to do? It's not going to make it compulsory. Unless, of course, you really want it to be. In which case, we can. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Bound to rain this afternoon. Bound to rain, Steve, because, says Diana, it's the Twickenham Green Fair. I might go for Phil Wellen after. She's had a chest infection, but she said it's wiped me out. I was wondering if I caught it while in there. I've never had one before and I don't want one again. It's horrible. horrible. I shall look out for it. Uh, look out for you at the fair. Yes, I don't know. I think I'm going to go. Well, you'll certainly see the car whizzing past because I've got to go up to the garden centre. I've got to pick out two nice plants today. I've been quite good quite good about not sort of going mad spending money but I just feel this afternoon because it's the bank holiday you feel you want to sort of cram in a little bit more don't you uh, right uh, what have we got here very quickly 84850 steve at Mary says yours is the only show that most of my family listen to you've always got something for us to, to discuss when we get together well, there's always something. I mean, there's never, any, there's never a dull moment on this programme. The trouble is, we, uh, they used to say, you know, we'd, we sort of, we'd, we'd let anybody enter into the proceedings by sending texts and emails. But if you're really stupid, if you're a bit simple, then we, we just send you into the rubbish bin and that's where you spend the rest of your life. So, you know, people, I, it always makes me laugh, actually. It always makes me laugh. We, we've had sort of a couple over the years who are sort of a bit simple. You know, I don't want to sort of, they always don't and so they obviously think I'm their friend which of course, you know, they come anywhere near me I'll have the police round straight away and uh, we had one, she always thought that she knew about show business stuff and all she did she would go and buy a copy of Closer magazine and just copy it out as if she knew what she was talking about, she's never got anything right she didn't know anything at all, but of course you have to sort of entertain and then after about, you know, six months we kind of thought, no, you're a bit too simple so we just got rid of them, which is good apparently, uh, not only a bank holiday it's Whit Monday, the day after the seventh Sunday after Easter Whitson weekend. Oh, we've, we've discovered why it's called Bank Holiday, incidentally. For those people who do not know, it's because it's when the banks closed. So there was nobody working in the banks, so they were given they were given a day off, hence the Bank Holiday. But abroad, it comes under different names. Generally, Public Holiday. To be brutally honest with you, I don't know why we have them. What's the purpose? Why can't people work a six-day six week? What do you have to have a day off for? Can't you manage to make it through the week? And they get, I mean, we've had more Bank Holidays in the past, you know, three months than, than I've ever known of any time before. Do you think, what's the point? What does it do? It just means people have become even more lazy than they were before. I mean, I, I'm working on a bank holiday. Producer's working on a bank holiday. Mind you, she didn't know until a few minutes ago she's working till seven. That kind of threw her into a little bit of confusion. But the good news is she doesn't have to do the free podcast for today. Because whenever we work till seven, we, uh, that, that counts as the free podcast. That's what I say to them anyway. I've never done what... I know she's printed. Oh, we could use the stories anyway on the programme, can't we? We could use them. She's printed them off now. 
<laughs> I shouldn't laugh, actually. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not a funny thing to do, is it, at all, really? Well, it is if, it is if you're sitting where I'm sitting. Uh, more on your uh, texts and emails in a moment. And uh, we'll come back to those. Let me just sort of do the junk mail. I always love it when you get things that go into the junk mail, and then I just sort of delete, and then that's the last you ever see of them. So the Sun this morning, they're looking for this uh, man. He's a fan of uh, X-Men and the character Wolverine. He's feared to have knifed to death his mum, his stepdad, and six-year-old half-sister. And his name is Jed Allen. He's 21. He's he'd been writing some odd things on his Facebook, which kind of led them to believe that they need to have a have a talk to him. Um, the BBC is under pressure to stop picking the Eurovision Act after the UK flopped yet again. To be honest with you, how is it ever picked? I thought if you were a member of the is it the Songwriters Guild or something like that, because were you voted? Did they ask you to vote on who you wanted to represent us for Eurovision? No, the BBC do it secretly. They do it secretly. So in other words, for the past. You know, God knows how many years we've been useless because some prat at the BBC is uh, is picking these people and they're not. They're not the ones that people want. Currently, the BBC select the act in secret. Uh, in secret. Viewer Carl Downey said, the UK public didn't vote for Electro Velvet, so why would you expect Europe to? I know. I totally agree. It's either that or just drop it, because it costs far too much money, and it's just a freebie for the BBC to send out a lot of third-rate presenters who can barely string two words together to dribble on. Years ago, it was just Terry Wogan. Oh, I see the old Swedish voters in coming in. You know, and all that kind of stuff. Now there's about 20 people go out there. No, I tell a lie, about 50 people. And it's just a freebie for them. To be brutally honest, axe it completely. It's, the audience is tailing off. Nobody's interested. Talking of things tailing off, here she is, out in the sun again. This is uh, Louisa Zisman. Good God, I didn't realise she was still alive, love. No idea. Anyway, she's in Dubai with the photographer, topping up her tan in Dubai with, with pals. She's set to marry an Irish tycoon. Thank God for that. That's how I'll see the last of you. So bored, honestly. That's just going onto a beach and having a picture taken. Oh, God. Poor old Lydia Dim, honestly. Nobody tell her it was a wedding. What are you wearing, love? Honestly, with hips that wide, really, you should have worn something a bit more flattering. And um, and it's not really that that flattering at all. Not really that flattering. What's this a picture of? This is a picture of Cara Delevingne. They say she could start some loose talk by strolling with Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't think so. She's gay. Why would there be loose talk? What sort of loose talk would there be? Unless he's having a sex change that we're not aware of. No, no, no. Cara Delevingne, she's just, she was at the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, posing for photos with, I think, Fernando Alonso. Uh, also there, Liam Payne, apparently he's in a little boy band. And um, store chief Sir Philip Green. And uh, Jerry Halliwell was lovely. How sweet of Jerry Halliwell. Of course, you knew she was going to be there because uh, they're friends with Philip Green. And so they took, but I love the way they go, Cara Delevingne. You know, she could be making sweet music with Cristiano. No, she's never going to be making sweet music with him. Uh, please, raids have smashed a racket in which hundreds of Bangladeshis flew into Britain for a day to claim housing benefit. What they do is, they um, all they need is bogus addresses. They're based in Italy. They just turn... It's all organised over here by a lot of bent people, and they've named a few here who are going to be appearing in court. And um, one here. This is the first to lead to arrests. Loads of people, Italian Bangladeshis with Italian passports. They turn up, they go to the thing. Once they've got that number, they then put it on all their forms, and we start sending money. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. The bent people are involved with it. And we've obviously got, you know, that they what did they have in Scotland the other day? There was a piece in Scotland. That, sorry, I went all Scottish. It's Scotland. I didn't mean that at all. I'm so sorry. Um, where they were discovering how many people had applied to be taxi drivers. There were convicted 
people for assaults, drunkenness, brawl, all sorts of things. And they'd been given licences to drive taxis. In London this morning, more illegal minicabs. You can't miss them. You cannot miss them now in London. They sit by the side of the road and they're touting. They're quite clearly touting, and some from well-known companies. I've seen well-known companies' cabs touting. I think they probably accept the fact that they do. If they get caught, then uh, then they lose their licence. But loads of them do. Loads of them do. They go out there. But what they do now, quite cleverly, to, to fox the police, is they park the cars up, and then they go walking. And they walk out. You need a minicab? Minicab? You get it all the time outside all the clubs and everything. Police do nothing. Can't be bothered, I should imagine. Probably far too much paperwork there. Uh, then the, talking of the police, a convicted uh, pervert, Omar Hussein, um, was allowed out of prison. He's on a sex offenders list uh, after attacking a woman. And uh, all he had to do was, was, was tell police where he was travelling to. So he told them, I'm in Syria. I've joined IS. I'm now a jihadi. He'd previously been banned from going to a wedding in Pakistan. And people say, no, he's really heading elsewhere. It's amazing, really. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm only going to prove what we all thought in the first place, that most members of ISIS are perverts. Perhaps it's a giant gay club or something. Perhaps they all sort of sit there and sort of hold hands and do strange things. The Archbishop of Dublin has said that Ireland's vote for gay marriage is a reality check. I love the way they make it sound as though it's never, it's never happened before. And they're always sort of... It's all a big surprise. A reality check for the Catholic Church. They only got 30% of the vote. 70% of people in Ireland voted for same-sex marriages. Wake up, Catholic Church. Good God, you're so far behind now. There they all are, all dolled up in all their finery and everything else. It's a, it's a reality check for the Catholic Church. God, blimey, it's been a reality check for the past God knows how many years. Why do you think people don't bother going to church anymore? They're so out of touch. The bank holiday washout, which might not be, might not be. We didn't stand a chance at Eurovision. We were so rubbish. Who spends a thousand quid at the hairdresser? We'll name and shame. The kids' parties that cost more than a new car. And uh, Will Young throws his hat in the ring to present Top Gear. Oh, and the invasion of the giant jellyfish. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. More after the news. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Bank Holiday Monday, the 25th of May. The weather's going to be a little bit <coughs> sort of iffy at the moment. Uh, we'll wait and see. We didn't stand a chance at Eurovision. I don't know why we bother, actually. We've uh, we put people up. We don't vote for them. The BBC do this in secret. And, of course, so far, they've proved quite successfully that they're just rubbish at it. Absolute total rubbish. Not a clue. They need to farm it out, I think. Get somebody else in to do it. In fact, let ITV do it. Oh, no, we'll end up with Philip Schofield presenting. Please not that one. Please not that one. So, once again, we practically scored nil poire. It's not worth bothering, is it? The song was okay. People seem to like the song, but nobody's going to vote for it. Was Ted Heath gay? Did he have an affair with a bodyguard? A new book is suggesting that he might have done. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. Oh, and Naomi Campbell celebrated her birthday. She's 190. Not really. She's 45. It's just that she's been around the block so many times now, nobody really cares about Naomi Campbell. She's the most stuck-up woman you'll ever meet in your entire life. Seriously. Absolutely dreadful. 
you know, she, she can't arrive early for anything. I remember somebody did a feature, I think it was in the Standard, and uh, they were waiting in the hotel, and she was about two hours late, three hours. Then she swanned in, went to her suite... And uh, and then swan back out again, saying she was going to do some shopping. I packed everybody up and just so when she comes back, go I'm ready now. And they go, I'm sorry, they've all gone home. They've all gone home. You've got to give the, 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 these people the kick where it hurts them the most. And poor old Naomi Campbell has got no idea to treat people. I mean, all she is, she's a clothes horse. She's nothing more, nothing less. Nobody cares what she thinks about anything. You just pay to put clothes on, dear. Walk up and down in that funny little way which you do. OK, that's it. Keep your mouth shut, OK? Of course, every occasion she opens her mouth, she turns out to be so foul-mouthed and so sort of not quite there upstairs. She's only some old girl from Streatham. Don't worry about her. They're, they're, you know, nobody cares about models nowadays. You're never going to ask them their opinion on anything because they're too stupid. And so here she is having her 45th birthday party. Somebody apparently pushed a Bollywood star into the swimming pool. How hilarious. <laughs> That's what they do when they go to these parties. And then Will Young, obviously desperate to sort of jump on any old gay bandwagon. And uh, he now thinks that he can be the gay Jeremy Clarkson. Apparently, he says, um, people don't expect a gay man to like rugby. Are you serious? How many gay rugby players are? Where are you living? Where are you living? There's gay rugby players. People don't expect, he said, uh, people don't expect gay people to like cars. Are you stupid? <laughs> How could you be this thick? They don't expect gay people to like cars. But apparently, and here is the clincher, Will Young says, I even stop and talk to lads in service stations about their cars. I bet you do. I bet you do. Honestly, so gay people don't know about cars, do they? Oh, blimey, you're so out of touch, mate. Come out the woodwork. Come out the woodwork. Come on, we're going to drag you out screaming this time round. God, blimey, you're the most backward person I've ever met. I mean, gay people, you know, don't expect them to do rugby. Good God, we've got gay producers at LBC. In fact, one of them plays rugby on a regular basis. Dear me, honestly. Apparently, uh, they've tested the UK's favourite snack. What do you think the UK's favourite snack is? It's apparently a burger. We like burger. I know. I didn't think it was the UK's favourite snack. So they've been to different places. They've been to Burger King. Uh, something called Meat Liquor. Um, five Guys, McDonald's, GBK, which is Gourmet Burger Kitchen, and Byron. And if you look at these scores, Burger King, 19 out of 30. In other words, that's really bad. That's really bad. Uh, Louise, because they, they have different people testing it. Somebody says it's quite greasy. The little girl says it's food you'd eat in an airport if you're desperate. And somebody else says uh, the most ketchup, and that's good. Uh, meat liquor, 18 out of 30. I don't even know what meat liquor is, I'm afraid. So I've, got, I've never even heard of it. Never even heard of it. Five guys, uh, 24 out of 30. So that's not too bad, is it? That's not too. They say they use little bread. Because people don't want too much bread. And in fact, actually, if, if ever you buy... I mean, in, in McDonald's, they've got uh, a Big Mac, and they've given that 21 out of 30. Because, I mean, there's too much salad in it, too much gunk, and nobody likes the gherkin. It's an American thing. First thing I do, if ever I have one, hardly ever, is take out the gherkin and throw it away. Pigeons are wandering around our way going, don't give us any more gherkin. GBK is uh, Gourmet Burger Kitchen. This gets 22 out of 30, but which one gets the biggest mark? 25 out of 30. Um, the uh, parents, oh, the, sorry, the, the chef says it's OK. Doesn't excite me. Lots of nice flavours, some juices from the patty, but it's a bit too thick. Uh, definitely like this one, the best goes mum. Gives it 10 out of 10. And the six-year-old says 8 out of 10. I really love the cheese, and it's Byron. 
Byron. And they're just... We've got one just over there. I've never been in it. It does look quite nice. The roll looks quite nice. Funny, they didn't even bother with Wimpy anymore. They've got no idea what that's... But Burger King, really bad. Food you'd eat in an airport if you're desperate. I always think they're ghastly. There's nothing about it. It used to look quite nice, but the rolls are, are awful. It's like buying a bacon roll from Waterloo Station. I say a bacon roll. Sometimes they, they've tried to fluff up the bread roll to make it look as though it's fresh, but you could tell because it's literally... It's, it's so hard that it, it, it's quite clearly been put in one of these ovens which can bring it back together again and sort of make it look a little bit more interesting. Um, Alicia Dixon isn't nervous about performing on the show because... She always sings live. Because you remember that, uh, that poor old Cheryl Versace Vassini Spagbol cannot sing. And so she has to do part mime, part, part live thing. It's, it's obviously, I don't know why, actually. I don't know why. But uh, Alicia says, I always sing live. That's standard for me. It's my job, and that's why I've got to look after myself. And yet you see her on Loose Women, and she's the dimmest person on the panel. I mean, there's some dim people on there. I mean, the, nobody dimmer than Colleen. Is there? Colleen, part of the Nolans, the singing sister act that don't like each other. And uh, she's, uh, she's dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. I mean, some of the things she comes up with, ghastly, ghastly. Uh, the former pupils of, uh, of Grange Hill. Do you know, they, they, they're doing this now as if it's some sort of new story. Whereas, in fact, this only stems from the other day because um, Terry Sue Pat died at the age of 50. He was a month by himself. So, you know, with the heat we've had and all the other things, I should imagine his body must have been in sort of a, a dreadful state of decomposition. And so what they've done, they, they've gone back to Grain Chill. It's a good page filler. It means that you just sort of ask around and see what they're all doing. And um, they're all out there. John Olford was Robbie uh, Wright. Uh, he's 43 now. I always love finding out how old these people are, because you can't believe it, can you? Because it was the most famous programme on the television. And uh, it ran for, for years and years and years. And people loved it. 30 years it ran. 30 years with lots of different people. John Alford, you remember, got, uh, got caught up uh, in 1999. He was jailed for nine months. They did a sting on him, I think, with the fake shake. The fake shake. And uh, he was supplying drugs to an undercover reporter. But it's the same with a lot of these things. And I have to hold my hands up and say that sometimes, you know, when these people have been stitched up, it's a case of somebody goes to them and goes, listen, we can make you a very big star in wherever it happens to be. Uh, but they were just wondering, um, do you know anybody who can get any, any drugs for whoever it is? And, of course, you know, you go, uh, yeah, OK. You don't know where you can get drugs, but you might have a rough idea. I have a rough idea. I'm sure if you go into half of London's pubs, you could probably find somebody who would sell you some drugs. I would think so, by a, by a, a, a mere guess, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, John has since worked as a cab driver, a scaffolder and a roofer, and is now trying to relaunch his TV career. I think he'd be an interesting guest for In Conversation, don't you think so? I mean, you know, at the age of 48, he was, he was a very popular... He went into London's Burning, and uh, he had a brief pop career... And uh, he was in Grange Hill. He had, uh, I think, five years in there. Then he went into London's Burning. Then he got stitched up and then his career finished. Completely finished. Uh, Susan Tully, of course, has now gone on to uh, working as a, as a film director. She came out at the same time, I think, as Todd Carty. Remember Roland, played by uh, Erkan Mustafa? And he was Roland. And... Um, he does uh, various accents. He claims to be an expert at various accents, including his Dutch and Turk 
Turkish as well. So he's uh, he's not been much luckier since leaving the show in 1987. But they're all people that you grew up with. You know, some of them you won't remember. Mark Burdis, who was Stewpot. I mean, he is um, he's a former star. He's appeared in The Bill. I think Mark Burdis does all sorts of things. He, he trained at uh, Anna Share. He's appeared in The Bill and adverts and all sorts of things. Uh, who else would you know? Lee MacDonald Zamo. He was in... Um, he made the odd cameo in Birds of a Feather and competed in BBC Three's Celebrity Scissorhands. I can't remember what that was, actually. Presumably Scissorhands. I'm assuming it was set in a hair salon. Uh, Todd Carty did his uh, Dancing on Ice thing where he sailed off into the sunset in 2009, which was a long time ago, isn't it? But they're, they're all here, all the people that you remember. And it's quite funny when you, when you look back over the years and you look at all the people you think, God, I grew up with you. I grew up with you, and, and very good you are too. Uh, Mark says, sorry you rubbish my text about, he calls it Tamsonite, it's Tanzanite. He said, it's true that top quality Tanzanite will in future appreciate. Yes, only top quality stuff, not the stuff they're selling on the television. I'm sorry, Tanzanite at 69.99 ain't going to be going anywhere. They're selling the rubbish, okay? They're selling the rubbish, and that's why. People, people like sort of to buy this. They go, here it is, it's £699, and the next thing is some poor half-hearted presenter will go... Twenty nine ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine. We've got a special offer on, and you think because you're selling rubbish, top quality stuff they're not selling on the television. It's very rare, very very rare. Dell says you should book John Olford. Yes, I think he'd be, I think he'd be quite good actually. And uh, another one here. You're saying about illegal minicabs. We're picking up minicabs seized by the police for no insurance and or no driving license. I've never heard of a black cab being seized yet. Well, you should do because there's been three this week. One was a, a murderer. The other one was responsible for something else. Don't think that everybody's exempt. Don't think everybody's exempt, but uh, you will hear of black taxes. Strangely enough, strangely enough, and here's an interesting fact, when they did carry on cabbie, one of the cabbies on there, licensed black cab driver, because they were getting seven and six an hour, um, he set up the poker school at the film studio. He said, because cab drivers love playing poker, which is what I said years ago, and immediately I got shouted down. I've said, have you been to Heathrow Airport? A lot of the boys gamble up there. It's a well-known fact. I know more cab drivers than you can shake a stick at, and they'll tell me exactly the same thing. People who sit there for hours and hours. When you're sitting there for hours, what do you think? They sit there and sort of read a newspaper. Of course they don't. Of course they don't. Uh, 84850 uk. And uh, apparently we've had the same bank holidays for decades. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know why we have them. I don't know why. Phil says maybe the BBC pick songs that won't win so they can go abroad for the freebie. Well, it makes no difference whether, whether we're going to win or not because they're all out there for the freebie, aren't they? It's a, it's a freebie away. It's like whenever they do the Chelsea Flower Show, there'll be more than a few hundred people from the BBC working at the Chelsea Flower Show. That's how much of a freebie it is. It's like Wimbledon, they're all on the old backhanders. Give us the old tickets. That's how it works. That's how it works. It's a... Uh... Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up to 20 minutes past five. It's Bank Holiday Monday, the 25th of May. Oh, I forgot to mention, you know who's here today, don't you, on LBC? You know, it's Katie Hopkins Day again. I just I mention that now. I just I mention that now because she's going to be here at 10 o'clock this morning. I shall have vacated the building by that time, I think. She'll be in later on, especially as she's, uh, she's uh, just parted up a storm with Kelly Brook. You remember Kelly Brook? No, not many do. Anyway, um, Katie took a swipe at Kelly when she noted the British model was at the Cannes Film Festival with the rich, famous and thin, but then added, 
Kelly is none of those things. However, Kelly, who recently found fame stateside with One Big Happy, well, she didn't because they axed the programme after a short time because it was so dreadful, didn't let the cruel taunt bother her as she parted up a storm in Monaco. She appeared to be having the time of her life and clearly wasn't giving Hopkins a second look, so she was obviously out there with a photographer to take a picture of of Kelly sitting at a bar, one of her favourite positions. So, uh, not rich, not famous, or thin. But uh, I'm sure that you'll all enjoy talking to Katie Hopkins later on today. In fact, I know you will. I know you will. I bet the phone lines are going to go into meltdown for this one because uh, it's always entertaining. She was very entertaining last time she was here. She's going to be more entertaining this time. And I'm sure she'll have things to say about all sorts of people. I don't know what. Probably bank holidays, I should imagine. I was was looking through the papers thinking, what could she possibly talk about today that's going to get people angry? And... um, and I don't know, actually. I can't... Of the, she could... I don't know what she's going to talk about. I don't know. They, they, they've got a picture of that leeching lord in the paper today. The expenses cheat. Lord Hanningfield. It's so funny. Have you noticed that the lords now... So, in other words, Vince Cable, otherwise known as The Failure... Uh, because we voted him out in Twickenham and Richmond, didn't want him in anymore. They'd had enough of him. He hadn't really achieved anything for us. And um, and so they voted him out. Big surprise to him. Big surprise to everybody, I think. Nobody was more surprised than when, when Vince Cable, who'd held the uh, the seat for God knows how many years, about 18 years or something, all of a sudden get voted. He actually took it from the Conservatives, then the Conservatives got it back again. So they went for him, they kicked him out. But of course, now he'll move into the House of Lords, so he'll be earning £300 a day just for sort of popping in, showing his face and wandering back out again. Uh, not like Lord Hanningfield, who's back in Westminster, able to pocket thousands more pounds after serving his clocking-in ban. What this um, convicted fraudster did is uh, he was barred from the Lords after the Mirror revealed he'd spent as little as 21 minutes in Parliament to claim the full £300 allowance. What they did, they watched him as he drove 15 minutes. They'd obviously been tipped off that he's he's rooking the system. He drove 15 minutes from his home in West Hanningfield in Essex to Ingate Stone Station, where he caught the train to London. He was filmed arriving at Westminster Tube Station and watched as he went into Parliament. They then watched him return through the Tube Station minutes later, and then he arrived back in Ingate Stone. Minutes. In minutes. And so then they actually... He spent as little as about 21 minutes in Parliament. He did the old in, hello, 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 straight back out again. £300, thank you very much indeed. And so he, uh, he had, I think he was claiming, he claimed thousands of pounds. And uh, he served just a quarter of his sentence before waltzing back into Lords after copping, coughing up 30 grand in repayments. I mean, how do these people make it into the Lords? I thought the whole idea was we're supposed to, they're actually supposed to lead by example and we're supposed to follow them. I don't want to follow this old fraudster. Thank you very much indeed. God, blimey, honestly. Uh, Even John Mann, the Commons campaigner, says he makes a mockery of Parliament. It's absurd they've not banned him. Well, they don't like to. It's the tip of the iceberg. It's the tip of the iceberg. They all see every time they go to the House of Lords, you see it on the television. There's hardly anybody there. And when they are there, they're falling asleep because they're so doddery and past it. I mean, let's face it, as we've now discovered, Greville Janner, I refuse to, refuse to call him Lord Janner, I didn't vote for him, thank you. Um, he's, he's voted about 250 times. That was with dementia. Do you think he knew where he was? Answer, probably not. So how's he able to vote? It's obviously some big boys club, isn't it? A bit of a glee club going on, I think, there. Uh, then there's a roller skating siblings on what drives them to thrill fans. It's obviously somebody doing a programme on the... T- oh, it is on Britain's Got Talent. It's another circus act. And it's roller skating. Apparently, two of our family have died doing dangerous acts like ours, but we keep taking risks to win Britain's Got Talent. They're a circus act. And um, 
and they, they just go round on rock. I've seen these acts a million and one times. It's just that they, they appear in all the shows around the world. They're in, you know, most of the big shows in Barcelona, in Paris. You'll find them at the Crazy Horse. You'll find them at the Moulin Rouge. It's just, you know, somebody's on roller skates. They're working on a very small pad and everything else. Apparently, Billy Senior, the dad, when they say two of our family have died doing dangerous acts like ours, they haven't died doing the roller skating act. Don't, don't, don't misread this in any way, shape or form. Their dad worked on the high wire. And uh, there are no dangers on their act. They're just on roller skates. The worst they could do is fall off the roller skate. But uh, it's a circus act. You see them everywhere. Every single place around the world. Alicia Dixon. Oh, God, not Alicia Dixon again. Oh, my God, it's her day today. She's hit out at critics who say there are too many foreign acts on Britain's Got Talent. Well, so Alicia says, I'm sick. Because you like that. I'm sick. Sick of hearing complaints about foreign acts or whether they've been on another show. Everybody deserves a second chance. Alicia... Calm yourself down, Popsikins. Open your ears and listen properly. It's called Britain's Got Talent. I don't have to explain it to you, because you're quite clearly a bit thick. OK? It's called Britain's Got Talent. You know, not Romanian Circus Act has got talent. If it's Romanian Circus Acts or Brazilian Circus Acts, fine. But stop droning on about it. You're not intelligent enough to understand that it's called Britain's Got Talent. These people are neither British nor living here. They're roped in from circuses across the world and they put them on there. So you're the one who needs to stop whining about it. Rein your little self in. Engage your brain before you open your mouth and make yourself look stupid. Because people are going to laugh at you. She says that the programme brings families together. Oh, God, save us from the terminally stupid. Where are you coming from, dear? Please. It's, uh, listen, if you can do a programme about professional circus acts, do a programme about professional circus acts. But don't masquerade it as Britain's Got Talent like they've just walked off a council estate in Scumthorpe. Don't do that. Don't insult our intelligence because we're cleverer than you. You're the one sitting there droning on about a roller skating act, which, to be honest with you, I think I've seen God about 500 times. Every time they did, you know, Billy Smart Circus on the television, there would be a roller skating act because it doesn't take up much room. There's no danger involved. They just go round and round and round and round. And of course, the reason they go round and round is because he's swinging her round. And so she's keeping him on the mat. If, if she wasn't swinging round, he probably would have fallen off. But it's her swinging... It's like the bucket of water. You fill it with water and they swing it round and the water doesn't come out. It's the centrifugal force, isn't it? And the same with the roller skaters. You know, but as I say, you're arguing about people coming in from abroad. It's called Britain's Got Talent. You know, I don't want to have to come around and slap the back of your legs, but for goodness sake, Britain's Got... They're not British. They're not British, these people. They're people who've come in from circuses. They are professional acts. They're working abroad. All the people who've ever won it, they're professional acts. They had the puppets, didn't they? A professional act. If you're going to do that and put them up against some, some woman who sings a song about apple crumble, well, then fair enough. But, but don't try and make it into something it's not, please. Because you make yourself look very silly. It's Britain's Got Talent. And you're sitting there judging a professional circus act. Why don't you go and sit in a circus tent, dear, and judge it that way? It's the easiest way to do it, isn't it? 84850, uk. Um... Uh, another one here says, uh, if banks are closing down due to internet banking, does that mean banks' holidays in the future will be seven days long? So I do internet banking. I do internet. I don't need to go into a... I do go into a branch occasionally. If I want to take out, you know, a, a bit of money and I, I, I go through my... I'm sorry, I've got this phase at the moment. I like to have a £50 note on me. There's something about a £50 note. It makes me feel terribly rich. I know it's not in this day and age, but it makes me feel a bit rich. 
And so I like to go in and get a few £50 notes. But you can't get them out of the machine unless you go to the casino. If I go to the casino just over the way from here and use their bank machine in the Hippodrome, it only dispenses £50 notes. No, nobody's going to go to a casino. I mean, I know you can bet a pound on a spin of a roulette wheel, but the machine dispenses £50 notes. So that's always quite interesting. I quite like that. That makes me feel a bit rich. because it doesn't make as much noise as doing tenors. So that's why. So I don't need to go into a branch physically. So more and more people do internet banking. So more and more branches are going to close down. I'm delighted to say that the one that I use in Richmond of the Royal Bank of Scotland is not going to be closing down. I think because the staff make an effort in there. They do really. You know, some banks, you know, they've sort of put on the little light. Position seven. They do it in the supermarkets too. And you sort of go there and they barely look up. They barely look up at you now because you don't actually need to go into a bank. You can do everything online. I can pay my tax. I can pay my VAT. I can do I can do everything online. I haven't written a check out for years. Don't need to. I don't need to go and visit my money because physically it's not there. I just get the bank statements through and I look at the bank statements and that tells me what I've got. And then I give them to my accountant, Steve, and he sorts everything out. But but you don't need to physically go. I often wonder what people are doing in banks. What are they doing there? Have you not discovered the delights of internet banking on your computer? I mean, surely most people, most people in the country have a computer, don't they? Do most people now? I mean, I, I think most people have got home computers. Or you've got a phone. You can do it all on your telephone. You can do exactly the same. Can't you? I thought so. Uh, more on uh, Naomi Campbell's amazing 45th birthday. Who cares? Old woman still modelling at the age of 45. you think she'd give up, wouldn't you, by now? Uh, the amazing life of Radio... Something's whispering Bob. That's Bob Harris. And uh, he's talking about all sorts of things. He's got a book out. Got a bu- I've got a book out. I mentioned I've got a book out. I've got a book out. And um, it's, um, it's a book about celebrities. So you want to be a celebrity, it's called. Very easy. Very easy read. It's a pocket book. There's a few of us who've got pocket books on LBC. They're all exactly the same size. They're all exactly 70,000 words. You can count them, because I know, because I did it. And um, and it's quite nice. It tells you all about, you know, how to get into the world of celebrity, what sort of money you could earn, and what the pitfalls are. They never tell you about the pitfalls. You know, the pitfalls are that if you've got something you're hiding in your life, the press will find out about it, because one of your friends will will dob you in. They, they will tell all about, all about, and they will... Um, and they will sort of sell the story to the newspaper. That's what people do nowadays. Newspaper will pay them, you know, a bit of uh, a bit of sort of money, and it can be, you know, ten, fifteen thousand pounds, all sorts of things, all sorts of things. Uh, Edward says that Zamo is now a locksmith near Croydon. No, I think that finished ages ago. That was about twenty-five years ago. I don't think he's doing it now at all. And uh, I listen to your show to cheer myself up. Says Maureen. Uh, when my mum was seventy. She says her aunt told her she was past her sell-by date. What hope have we got? <laughs> Answer, no hope at all. Five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, nice to be company. 26 minutes to six. James, who might be Geoffrey, says, luckily I'm in Australia. Oh, I'd throw a Burger King at you. Well, I think it would fall apart, don't you? Didn't go very well in the ratings. Very, very poor, I'm afraid. Very poor. And uh, and the Black Cab Poet says, I think Zamo still has his shop in Wallington. My wife's had keys cut by him. Junior Giskim has mended her shoes too. <laughs> You're constantly falling apart, aren't you? Constantly falling apart. 84850, steve at So, did Ben Cohen have a little bit of a rumpy-bumpy session with uh, Christina Rianoff? This is the one who's been round the block about four times. 
And uh, she's furiously denied breaking up a third relationship because he went back uh, to, strangely enough, they say here, Ben Cohn has been pictured leaving former Strictly Come Dancing partner Christina Rianoff's West London flat. And then, apparently, Christina Rianoff was seen at her home in Brentwood earlier this week. Where does she live? Does she live in Brentwood? Or does she live in a West London flat? Anyway, uh, Ben Cohen spent ten hours there. Uh, this is after she's furiously denied, furiously denied, breaking up a third relationship. She, she went out, well, she's been out with, with quite a few people. She went out with Joe Calzacchi. But as I say, really, every time I saw him being interviewed on the television, he wasn't the brightest penny in the box. And uh, she's... Because then, if you remember, Ben Cohen split with his wife, Abby... And they were denying a relationship. And then people were saying, no, oh, I'm not too sure about this one. This looks slightly dodgy. And then obviously somebody decided to follow them back. I mean, to be honest, we don't know what went on inside, do we? We're only guessing. But uh, as, as we're assuming they've had a fling before, if you go back to somebody's flat at one o'clock in the morning, I'm assuming you're not going back for cheese on toast and a cup of cocoa. I'm assuming it's a little bit more than that. And uh, so he went into a flat in the early hours of the morning and then ten hours later emerged at 11.31. 11.16 she came out. It's amazing how, how completely different these, these people look. So, I mean, whether or not something went on, I don't know. Either way, it's not very pleasant. And it's nothing to do with us, really. But I, I secretly quite like it. Good God, who on earth is that? Who is that? That never is. No, it can't be. Unbelievable. No. I'm looking at a picture here of a lady who is 70. She's had cosmetic surgery to keep the wrinkles at bay. Now they think she's gone under the knife again. This is, you won't recognise her. She's in the Daily Mail. If I, if I put the picture up and said, who's that? It's Anne Robinson. You wouldn't, I promise you, you would never recognise her as Anne Robinson. She's wearing a fluorescent jacket. She's obviously got to that stage where, you know, she obviously wants to, uh, to make herself look good. And so they think... Uh, somebody here from a, from a surgery said she's been very open in the past about having a facelift and I suspect she may have had another one. <gasps> Looks terrible. Terrible. The former Weakest Link host once said, my appearance is all down to maintenance. I'm like the fourth rail bridge. I run. I have facials. I eat an awful lot of salmon and salad. If you want to expose bare arms in prime time, there's no choice. So there you go. But I'm not sure. She's unrecognisable as Anne Robinson. Seriously. That's why I don't think I'd ever want to have any sort of cosmetic surgery. I'd, I'd sort of worry that it would change my good looks. I don't want people to sort of start... Don't smile. That's not not. What are you saying? What are you saying? Are they, oh, you're agreeing with me? Yeah, but you sort of smiled in a sort of kind of... You know, when I mentioned good looks, and you sort of smiled as if to say, I don't think so. You know, it's like, you know, I'm not classically handsome. You know, in the scheme of things... I'm sort of, you know, just a very small Lego brick as a compared to a complete toy shop, you know. But, I mean, I, you know... I remember saying to my mother once, do you think I'm good-looking? Said no. Went into deep depression after that. Because I don't know why, you know, sometimes you think, you know, I wonder why, why people like me. You know, because I'm personable and I'm good-looking. And uh, she's still smiling, still smiling. Obviously, I'm not good-looking. I wrote to a friend of mine yesterday... He was, um, well, so he's an ex-friend, actually, now. He's an, he works on another radio station, and he was doing a couple of gigs. One in Birmingham, poor soul, but somebody's got to. And, uh, actually, it could have been worse. It could have been Luton. And he was doing another one in Shoreditch. And then he, um, I, d- I didn't get invited. So I wrote to him, I said, I gather you're doing, t- why was I not invited? He said, well, you didn't, I didn't know you wanted to come. I said, well, you didn't invite me. In the end, it turned into sort of really a war of words. I was writing rude things like, go away, you bore me, and all that kind of stuff. He's not even good-looking. 
but he was doing too good and never bothered to invite me. And I could have gone. I could have gone to a gig if I'd, if I'd wanted to. There's a lovely picture in the paper today. It's a, a woman who's... Uh, she's got a, an ultrasound picture. And um, her name is uh, Miss Powell. Uh, Siobhan Powell. She's a uh, she's single mother now. But when they took a picture of the of the scan, it was a 20-week scan, it looks remarkably like she's harbouring a meerkat... I know it seems really bizarre, but if you have a look at the picture of the paper today, it looks like there's a meerkat in her womb. It seriously looks exactly like a meerkat. I can't even discern what it is, really. Uh, There's also a bloke uh, banned in the paper, a van driver, Timothy Chan from Liverpool. He's he's one of these cannabis people. He smokes cannabis and gets behind the wheel of the van, so they've now... They've now stopped him. 17 months on the road. They reckon that most people, six out of ten motorists, are failing roadside tests. Because they come... I mean, I've driven behind people before now, and you look at you think, you haven't even passed a test, have you? You just look too dangerous. And then you get near them, and you realise that they're either reading a map or instructions. I saw a woman going down the motorway doing that a while ago. I thought that was quite, quite dangerous. Where would you like to go to? Would you like to go beside the seaside today? Where's the place? Solcombe. Sulcombe. House prices in Sulcombe typically cost £672,874, which is a 9% increase on last year's £615,344. And a waterfront property is now £2 million. Sandbanks in Dorset came second in this study. I mean, I've always thought, being Piscean, I'd quite like to live by the coast. I'd quite like to live by a river. But then I've seen properties, you know, when we've had the rivers rising and people getting flooded out, and you think, maybe not so good. Maybe not so good. But I don't mind being by the sea, provided I was sort of up above it and I was able to look down on all the other houses getting, getting very wet. Because I, 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 I quite fancy that. I quite fancy that idea. Whether or not it'll ever happen, I do not know. I'm not too sure. Uh, A bad day for Lewis Hamilton's maturity yesterday. A blunder by his team cost him the race, but Lewis sulked to the podium by driving very slowly and deliberately drove into the third-place signpost. Perhaps it's all to do with the fact they've given him a makeover and he doesn't like it. Perhaps he thinks he looks a little bit too, well, odd. You know, some of the clothes he's been seen wearing, really. I mean, he's obviously got no sense of fashion. He's obviously being led by somebody. He's just an ordinary bloke. And when they try and sort of pomp somebody up, it just looks a little bit ridiculous. Uh, Philip says, um, it's a picture of my geraniums. Not as good as yours will be. Let's have a quick look. I can, I, I'm, I'm generally quite, a, quite an expert. Well, I'm generally quite a, an expert on geraniums. Generally. Generally quite an expert. And, uh, oh no, mine are ten times better than yours. Oh, ten times, but I mean that's rather, yeah, something a bit straggly to me. No, uh, yeah, I mean it's quite. You obviously got a little balcony, and you're making the most of it, which is which is quite a nice thing to do. But no, my my journey ten times better. You actually see when mine are out. I, you know, I'll, I will tweet the usual pictures once all the baskets are out and everything else, and uh, then you will be looking in 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 utter disbelief, ladies and gentlemen, as indeed uh, as indeed I will. Tony says apparently Vince Cable's writing his second book at the moment. Both Vince and Simon Hughes have turned down a place in the Lords. Would have been rich if they'd both accepted places in the Lords as they campaigned for years to get rid of it and replace it with an elected chamber. Oh, he's turned down, has he? Good God, what's he going to do now? He'll be an expert, won't he? He'll sort of turn up being, you know, on various committees. And Simon Hughes as well. All the people who are in, you know, in the Commons, and all the people who you think they're going to be there forever and a day, and then they don't. I mean, I'm always, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the whole thing. Oh, and don't forget our mutual friend, says Paul, Robert Craig Morgan, on the Grange Hill list, played Justin Bennett, and of course was the young Caligula in I, Claudius. He lives, as you know, in Ireland with his uh, partner. And this is where I'm going to get it wrong again. I can't do this pronunciation now. Donna, Donna, 
God, I'm sorry. I get it wrong every time, don't I? But uh, he listens every day in Manchester. Robert and partner. And pa- I bet you're delighted, actually. Everything going really your way, isn't it, now? Cool, blimey. You can skip down the street, Robert. Skip. Well, as skipping as we, as we can. Uh, I've just uh, put my nomination... Says Berlin for the face to go on the new £20 note in the next couple of years. Has to be someone from the visual arts. So a, a painter, photographer, someone involved with films. I nominated Charlie Chaplin. Yes, that'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. Charlie Chaplin. I wouldn't have any uh, objection to him featuring on uh, on a £20 note. Could be there. Uh, 84850 uh, says uh, it's near what I disagree. I did buy a key from him and uh, it is still there, says Mickey. Come on, blimey, if this doesn't go into uh, increased business for him, there's no justification at all. Uh, Gary from Portobello, Cockney Records, putting me in the studio to make a demo. Saw me in Bello. Wow moment, says Gary. I like a wow moment. I think wow moments are good, aren't they? We should all have a wow moment at some point. At some point, point uh, in our in our life. Uh, 84850, Uh Apparently... We should consider ourselves lucky. In the Gulf states, average kids' party, one to one and a half thousand pounds. Oh, is that... Yes, one and a half thousand pounds? Seems quite cheap. You can cost thousands over here. Didn't they have that ridiculous Tamara... What's her face? Eccleston. And didn't she have um, a party that cost something like 30,000 pounds or 60,000 pounds? I mean, that was just, you know, pretentious rubbish. I don't know why they bother telling you things like that. It just makes more people hate her. Uh, Janet Street Porter, she's very old now. She is almost past it. And she's done a feature in the paper today on how Britain has become so darn noisy. She says a peaceful bank holiday, forget it, from leaf blowers to thumping car stereos. This is rich. You know, as she's got more and more ancient and she is fairly advanced in years now. Obviously, things are sort of just winding her up. You know, I'd love to stand next to her and start blowing whistles because in her early days, she was fairly loud. She was, well, Michael. She was always a bit like that. She was always a bit leery. Nobody ever thought she had sort of a, an attractive voice. But now she's got older. She's become a little bit more more crackers. More crackers. Um, what else do we have in the paper today? I was trying to find some. Oh, yes, the, uh, the pavement crash destroyed my life, claims hit-and-run cyclist who mowed down a girl of three. This is Andrew Holland, a rather stupid person. And um, he says here, because he was wearing this orange jacket and... Um, and then she got her foot or something caught in the pedal. Anyway, he's been threatened by members of the public. He's 23. He claimed he'd been verbally attacked. Well, you know, I'm sorry. When you look at the disfigurement on this poor girl's face and you think it destroyed your life. I mean, you really are a simpleton, aren't you? She says uh, his mother says he didn't cycle away. He got taken away in a car. She said he'd done the right thing, owning up to the police straight away. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He waited till his pictures were in the paper. He didn't know he'd been caught on CCTV. I love the way that families stick up for somebody. And yet he dragged this girl along the pavement. It's a, it's appalling. They said he, he hurled abuse and all sorts of things. He doesn't look very pleasant either way. The police haven't decided whether or not to prosecute. I hope they do. It carries a fine of up to £500. Because let me just make it quite clear, yet again, for those people who don't understand, that riding a bicycle on the pavement is illegal. It's under the Highways Act, Section 72. A criminal offence to lead or drive a carriage of any description on any footpath set aside for the use of foot passengers. Maximum court fine is £500, or the police can issue a £50 fixed penalty notice. Why don't they do that more? Why don't they have dedicated police officers? You, here, now. 50 quid. 
There you go. Sorted. Quarter to six. Eve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to six. It is Monday morning, isn't it? Yes, it's Bank Holiday Monday. I'm trying to remember where we are, actually. Uh, so here is the pavement crash boy, Andrew Holland. His uh, mother's whinging on about him. Uh, the police have yet to decide whether or not they're going to prosecute him. Judging by this uh, poor little girl, who's only three years old, she was scarred, and she was dragged along the pavement. I mean, either way, I'm sick to death of bleating people. And he went straight to the police. He's never been in trouble. He's a quiet lad. Anybody that knows him will tell you, his father said, his life's been destroyed. I don't think this little girl's was too happy either. Nice to hear a bit of sympathy, maybe for her, from the family. But there again, you can imagine, can't you? It's Blackpool. Uh, the Wine Club is in the paper today. A Wine Club, which has recalled more bottles of Prosecco. 15,000 bottles of Prosecco after some shattered in the wine rack. This is the Wine Society. They're arranging to collect these uh, these wine bottles. 15,313 uh, uh, are involved. The Prosecco has been temporarily withdrawn from the company's website. Ewan Murray says the wine had been recalled in the interest of safety, but added the society had received only five reports of bottles shattering in members' wine racks. It's a necessary precaution. It's unbelievable, isn't it? They, they, they do explode, these things, because they're bottled presumably under pressure, and, and the, the pressure on Prosecco is far worse than anything I've ever had when I've had champagne. Seriously, champagne's relatively easy to open compared to Prosecco, which is like, oh, blimey, really cling on to it. As I said before, when I've given friends of mine a bottle as a, as a gift, I've said to them, be careful when you open it, it's really strong. It's re- it'll literally, it'll take your hand off, it's that dangerous. Uh, 84850, uk and uh, Jan Moyer, writing in the paper today, says the UK song, this is for Eurovision, was like the theme to a Benny Hill chase. We didn't stand a chance. And they were all out there. What was Nigella Lawson doing? And all the other presenters. How many presenters does it take to present this pile of rubbish? We don't need that many. You just need one person out there. The rest can stay back here and watch it on the television, like Murray Walker used to. He never went to any of the motor racing. He sat there watching a television. At ITN, he'd sit there doing his commentary to a television picture. And all these people, like, you know, Nigella Lawson, very nice though she is, and all the other people are very nice, but they don't need to go out there, just sit here and do it in a studio. Why do you need to take somebody out there? It's ridiculous. Bad quality anyway. Christine says there was a a tribute show to Stevie Wonder on Channel 5 the other night. Just lay back and listened in bliss. And she says, uh, got my Tomorite. You should be on a bonus for all your recommendations. Tomorite, I swear by. Only Tomorite. Only Tomorite. Do not buy anything else that says liquid tomato. And you don't need to spend the money on something like miracle Grow or things like that. Tomorite is cheap and cheerful. It's got the biggest amount of potassium in there. And literally just a dollop in your watering can. Literally just a, a dollop of it. And uh, that will feed the plants. And I promise you, you'll have bigger baskets than anybody could ever imagine. You'll have really, really wonderful plants. You will not be disappointed, and they'll go for ages and ages. I don't know what plants I'm going to buy today. I haven't quite decided. I nearly said fuchsia, but of course I'm, I'm definitely going off fuchsias. I just don't know what to buy. I don't know. I might have to sort of have a little drive around and see things. And if there's something taking place on Twickenham Green, I might go and have a look at that. But uh, then you have to park the car. Oh, it gets so complicated. Nothing life complicated on a bank holiday. Oh, dear, it really is. Uh, I told you earlier on, that uh, convictions for crimes under a law used to prosecute internet trolls have increased eightfold in a decade. Last year, 1,209 people were found guilty of offences. Uh, that's about uh, three a day, compared to 143 in 2004. It is a crime 
I should just point this out now, just to remind people. Uh, under the Act, to send by means of a public electronic communication network a message or other material that is grossly offensive or of an indecent, obscene or menacing character. And if it fits into any of those, then you can, you, you, you can prosecute. You can go to the police and they will follow it up. It's very interesting. Out of the 1,500 defendants uh, prosecuted under the law last year, 70 were juveniles... 685 were cautioned, and 155 were jailed. (laughs) Be warned. Be warned. If you write anything that's on the internet, it can be traced very, very quickly. I mean, there was that woman, wasn't there, who was doorstepped by uh, by Sky because she'd sent all this obscene stuff. It's always the odd people, isn't it? Who who you look at and you think, you look perfectly normal. And uh, she sent all the obscene stuff to the McCanns. And there are people like that who will send obscene things to parents who've lost children. Uh, and that's, you know, the most heartbreaking thing. And then these people turn up and write the most awful stuff. I mean, seriously, I mean, they've, they've quite clearly... I mean, the, the woman who wrote to the McCanns killed herself. Because I think she... I mean, th- these people, they, they will not be told. And that's why you have to keep banging the message out that if you write anything, you know, if, whenever you write something to somebody, whether it's a fan or whatever, you've got to look at it very carefully and think, could that be misinterpreted? Could that be seen as menacing? Could that be seen as, as something that is going to make them not feel very nice? Is it something going to worry about? You know, we're watching you, that kind of thing. It's very easy. And uh, if you think it is, then you really need to delete it. Because if you send it... People are prosecuting. They're going to the police, they're taking the emails with them, and the police have a duty to follow them up. And they now have special departments that deal with people who write that kind of material. And uh, you get them into court, and you get them, you know, prosecuted. That's the, that's the only way for... It's the only thing they understand, isn't it? The only thing they understand. Uh, what else do we have here? Oh, I don't want to go on to that story. This was the one that was on the front pages of the papers the other day. The £11 million bonus for the Thomas Cook chief... 11 million pounds. I've never heard of such a bonus before. Uh, Susan Boyle, quizzed by the police after a family row over money. Apparently, uh, the singer who has Asperger's had a doorstep argument with a relative before sending a series of apparently abusive texts. Uh, They spoke to her, but they didn't give her a formal caution. Um, Miss Boyle, who is worth an estimated £20 million, she hasn't done anything with it, though. She still lives in the same sort of place. Believed to have become upset when she was ignored by a relative to whom she'd given a five-figure sum. Well, that's the trouble, isn't it, really? That's what happens nowadays. Was Ted Heath gay? It's always a, a question that's puzzled everybody. And the, uh, this was one of the wild rumours about his private life. He was always surrounded by, uh, by attractive young men who seemed to hang on his every word. It's, uh, it's a new book which is out uh, published by Little Brown, called Closet Queens. And uh, they're asking lots of lots of questions about him. Was he? And they say, yes. They think he was, but they think he was deeply closeted. So, in other words, he wasn't coming out any time soon. But I think you only had to look at him to realise he did come from a different generation. And Enoch Powell, he wrote love poems to a young man. Enoch Powell. Never heard of such a thing. Never heard of such a thing. But uh, but interestingly, the, the, the Ted Heath story rumbles on. And they say that, yes, he was. And they say he may have hidden his homosexuality. They also have suggested in this book that Winston Churchill may have been gay as well. Good Lord above, honestly. It just, it just seems rife in politics. I just thought it was the church. But apparently not. Politics. And every time you look at Edward Heath, he, he, was, he was an effeminate man. 
but always surrounded by young men. I interviewed him only on a couple of occasions, only on the telephone, I hasten to add. Only on the telephone. Didn't actually get any further than things like that. But he was always, he was always surrounded by young men. He had lots of, uh, lots of friends and he was obviously a very articulate person, but probably came from a different generation where if he was gay, and of course it doesn't make any difference whether he was or wasn't now because he's, he's not even alive anymore. I wonder really... You know, whether or not, if he'd still been alive, whether or not there, there, there would have been stories about him in the newspapers. It's taken years. I thought the moment he died, there would have been stories about him in the newspapers, but there, but there weren't. There weren't. Francesco, Francesco says that uh, Nigella Lawson was actually in a London studio. But, you go, but what was she doing? What was she doing? You know, how many people do they need to present a lame show about people singing on stage in another country. Good though it was, good staging and everything, but, I mean, how many presenters they need? Whatever happened to just one? Terry Wogan sitting in a box, overlooking it, and then somebody back in London doing the... You don't need... They're now sending loads of people, loads of people there. Ridiculous. Ian says, I use a tea towel to cover the top of Prosecco, or Asti Spumanti when opening the bottle, allows extra grip and safety. When I made homemade wine, I used to add extra sugar before banging the top into the bottle. I mean, dangerous, isn't it, though? But especially this exploding Prosecco. But I, I have got one, and it is, uh, it's, it's fairly vicious. Fairly vicious. Uh, somebody says, uh, this man cycled off before the police arrived. He deserves everything he gets. Oh, they're trying to do damage limitation. I love the way he's turned it round to make it look as though he's the victim. Whereas, of course, he isn't the victim at all. Isn't the victim at all. Uh, 84850, uk. Where I live, says Lee, cyclists uh, ride past the police on the pavement and the police do nothing. When I made an inquiry with the police officer why she ignored the law, she became aggressive and said she never saw the cyclist. Then said, due to lack of resources and priorities, nothing would be done anyway. The great police cop-out. Well, it's the paperwork. I've said before, they've, they've got tons of paperwork to do. They don't want to do it all the time. And uh, Dan says, uh, something on the green today... Uh, mind all the no parking signs are out. Best take the bus. Always the one. Always the right advice from Dan. Thank you for that one. But well, it's free, isn't it? I mean, I, in theory, I could walk actually. Uh, little Julie says, please wish Michelle a very happy birthday from me today. Totally agree with you. I've got no sympathy for the cyclist at all. I've got no sympathy for him. I couldn't care less what he did. The fact is, a little three-year-old girl who's got all scratches all over her face because he dragged her along the pavement. And then cycled off. We don't go and give himself up to the police straight away. Apparently, according to the mother, he was abusive. He looks abusive, doesn't he? He looks that tight. Were you abusive? No. Were you abusive? No. Were you abusive? Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes, isn't it? It's like dealing with a child. Uh, I will tell you the other side of the news about um, Simon is an idiot. Not Simon Cow. This is Paul Simon. A monster and an idiot who says so. Art Garfunkel. This row rumbles on. It shouldn't be rumbling on at all, should it? And don't forget Katie uh, Hopkins. It said Katie Price, actually. That would be a turn up for the books. Katie Hopkins will be with you this morning on LBC. We've given her very kindly a three hour phone in. I bet you can't wait. I bet you can't wait. I'm looking forward to it as well. She was very good last time, and she'll be very good this time. I'm with you until seven o'clock this morning, so you've got another hour if you can bear it. Plenty more to come. Uh, Ian Payne is here at seven with The Breakfast Show in for Nick Ferrari. Uh, some of the other stories which we're trending. I hate using that word, trending. I'm trying not to use it. Uh, researchers found UK parents spent an average of £35,000 in the first five years of their child's life. Solcombe in Devon, Britain's most expensive seaside town, and eight out of ten couples apparently admit to falling out during bank holiday car journeys. Simple advice, don't go in the car. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. On FM. Online. 
on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Monday, the 25th of May. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast until 7. But as I say, it's now light. And I don't know, does it look a bit overcast out there? Does it look sunny? Is it worthwhile getting out my ombre solaire today? Getting out there and uh, exposing the body to a little bit of sunshine. Uh, the pavement crash destroyed my life, claims the hit-and-run cyclist. Nothing worse, is there? He's a 23-year-old. The girl he dragged along the pavement on his bicycle was three. She's got cuts all over her face and everything. Dreadful. Uh, fears for a missing schoolgirl. The eightfold rise in the prosecution of web trolls. Did Ted Heath have an affair with his male bodyguard? And the kids' parties, which now cost more than a car. And Will Young throws his hat in the ring to present Top Gear. Gorpus. Because he says that nobody expects gay people to know about cars. Really, the naivety. Perhaps he's been inside too long. I don't know. Needs to get out and smell the coffee, I think. Anyway, five minutes past six. And uh, together, they were one of music's most successful pairings. But Art Garfunkel has now branded his former bandmate, Paul Simon, a monster and an idiot. The 73-year-old says he can't understand why his partner struck out on his own as their act, Simon and Garfunkel, had top charts around the world before they split in 1970. He told the Sunday Telegraph, I don't want to say any anti-Paul Simon things, but it seems very perverse to not enjoy the glory and walk away. He says, how can you walk away from this lucky place on top of the world, Paul? What's going on with you, you idiot? The pair met as children in New York and had a string of hits, including Sound of Silence, Mrs Robinson, oh, God, I mean, Bridge Over Troubled Water, the list goes on. But Garfunkel says he befriended Simon, also 73, because he, uh, he, what did he, he pitied his small stature, saying that compensation gesture created a monster. Well, the reason that Paul Simon uh, went off was because he wrote so much of the material and he wanted to do his own stuff. He went over, I think he worked with Urumbamba, in South Africa. He did a lot of stuff over there. Diamonds on the soles of her shoes. Call me Al. Call me Al. You know, all that kind of stuff. He was doing very well. Art Garfunkel went off and had bright eyes burning bright eyes. Which was great. Which was all about Watership Down. Uh, William says, uh, name calling is the least the little so-and-so deserves. This is the, um, the person who hurt the toddler. I hit and seriously hurt a toddler because I'm a reckless idiot. I'm the real victim. That's what he said. This is the cyclist who we mentioned on LBC the other week. He thinks he's the victim in this. His mother said he, he went straight to the police. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He turned round. Luckily, he was caught on CCTV. He was clearly identified. And I said, he'll be the, the, the police will have a, a warrant out for him. You, know, you can't just do things like that. It shouldn't be on the pavement anyway. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, the, the question is, you know, have we been too harsh with him? And the answer is no. Anybody who cycles on the pavement, I want to push them all off. I really do. I'm terrible. James says performing a hit and run is a serious offence. It shows the rider doesn't have any regard for public safety. I hate to say it, James, but I've a se- I seriously believe that the majority of cyclists don't care about anybody on the pavement. Seriously. You know, where are, you know, where are the police? And the answer is they don't want to do the paperwork. The paperwork is an absolute nightmare. It really is. So there's a a feature in the paper today. It's in the life and style in the Daily Mail. You'll have to just take my word for it that it's it's very interesting. And it's got six women. Christine, uh, Justnia, Amy, Lisa, Steffi, 
and Liz. And one of them spends £1,000 a time at the hairdresser. So I, I played the game. I looked at uh, Christine and I thought, does, does Christine... I mean, so her hair's done quite nicely, actually. So I had a, I had a little check. And uh, it does look good. Well, she spends £200. Having, because for some reason, and we seem to have an abs- overabundance of hairdressers in Twickenham, we've either got estate agents, charity shops, coffee shops and hairdressers. And they've just opened another one. And there's a lot of money. It costs more money to do women's hair than it does to do men's hair. Because ladies, you ladies will happily spend a lot of money having your hair done. If you want it coloured, you can be looking at minimum 60, 70, 80 pounds. Just have highlights put in your hair. So I'm looking at all these women here and Christine, as I say, looks quite nice. And it turns out, uh, she says, I work hard. This is my little indulgence. So, £200, that's presumably by the time you've tipped everybody. Because when, when you go to a ladies' salon, you have somebody who washes your hair. So you've got to give them a little tip, pound or something. And then you've got the stylist. And if you have somebody who is a senior stylist, then you pay a premium for that. So, Christine, hair looks very nice. £200, probably well worth it. Uh, there's a lady here called uh, Steffi Bateman. She's a tax advisor. I love her. And she spends £100. £100 having her hair done. Uh, Liz Tunbridge is a full-time mum and lives in Thurrock. And she spends £10. Well, to be honest with you, I think that looks very good. If that's £10, that looks very, very nice. And so then I find there's a lady called Amy Ead. She's a support assistant in a boys' school. And she cuts her own hair with Ikea scissors, so she doesn't spend any any money at all. Um, Justia... Kulinski is the head of marketing and communication for a wealth management company. She lives in central London and she spends £500 having her hair done. She says some people uh, might call me vain. So let's have a quick look at her hair. To be honest with you, if that's £500, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's very good value. I don't know where she's going to have it done at £500. She says my hair has to look groomed and expensive. She has it cut and coloured. Uh, religiously, every six to eight weeks, occasionally paying as much as £300 a time. <gasps> See, that seems a lot of money to me. An awful lot of money. Anyway, she says, uh, full of body, my new do is thicker, shinier and a few inches longer than my real hair. Oh, right. So she's had, ah, she's had uh, things put in. So she's booked to visit five hours and £500 later, £405 for the extensions. Really? Oh, well. Well, I used to have a producer at LBC. She might be listening. So she'll and she her uh, name's Lucy, and she's um, she recently left LBC. She's she's adopted um, a gorgeous little girl, absolutely gorgeous little girl. They waited years and years and years, and they finally got a, an adoption through. Anyway, she did have at one time hair extensions. She went out and had these hair extensions done, and you know she's always had lovely hair. She's always looked really great. But when she came back in again, we all looked at them. Anyway, she didn't like it at all. So within a short space of time, out they came. Out they came. But the woman in this who spends the most is a chocolatier. And uh, she lives in Broxbourne. She spends £1,000 a time having her hair done. She says, women in the know can tell my do is expensive. Now, she lets herself down badly in this. Apart from, I mean, I say I don't have a problem. If somebody chooses to spend £1,000 on their hair, that's their business. Their money. Their money. I don't really care. And she says here, when my mum was a hairdresser, so when I was growing up, we lived above the salon. She was forever whipping out the scissors to give me a trim over in the bathroom or the kitchen sink. Age 17, I fled mum's scissors in search of a salon experience. Fast forward 25 years and she now pays around £1,000 a time at a salon 
in London's Fitzrovia. I go every four months and an appointment lasts up to four hours. She says it's a jaw-dropping amount of money. I mean, it it really is, actually. But she says, um, my stylist is the most coveted in the world. Okay, so I thought, my God, perhaps she does the Queen or something like that. Or she's really famous. Her clients include Abby Clancy and Strictly Comes Dancing's Ola Jordan. (laughs) And she's in demand around the world for that. Abby Clancy and Ola Jordan. Well... There you go. And apparently she's one of the most coveted in the world. I would think actually somebody who does sort of, I don't know, Kelly Brooks here. I bet she doesn't bother about that. I bet Kelly Brook just sort of sticks a few rollers in and that's it. Because some people are blessed with good hair. This this lady, Lisa, I have to be honest. I mean, I'm looking at the... If, if that's a thousand pounds, love, I'd find somewhere. You must better get it cheaper. Come round our way. My hairdresser, Kasia, she could probably do this for you for 30 pounds. And you'd end up looking exactly the same, I promise you. Don't think if you're spending a thousand that you're really getting anything anything really fantastic. Because unfortunately, and you've probably looked at all these pictures as well, uh, some of these other women's hair, especially the one who, who's done it all herself, looks better than yours. Seriously, I, mean, I don't want to say that because you're, you're spending a thousand pounds. I don't believe. It's like the other day they were looking at restaurants and a friend of mine said, what's the most that you would spend on a meal for two people. I said, on a meal for... T- I said, well, it depends. If you're talking about wines, and you can... You know, there were those bankers, and very big bankers they were too, who ran up a bill of £60,000 at lunchtime in a Gordon Ramsay restaurant, and it was on fine wines. You know, they, they were buying wines at £8,000 a bottle, £12,000 a bottle. And I thought, well, then you can rack it up. But if you're just having, say, a bottle of Prosecco, and you're having a meal for two which would involve maybe a starter, a main course, and maybe a dessert. Maybe I would expect to pay around about £70. I would think that would be around about right. Well, in fact, that's what I spent the other day. Well, I didn't spend it. Jonathan spent it. And that was £70-ish for two people, bottle of Prosecco and, uh, and a three-course dinner. He had a dessert. I didn't have a dessert. Only because I was watching my figure. I was watching my figure getting bigger without having the dessert. It's funny that, isn't it? You sometimes get bigger when you don't eat the things. And um, and I would think that's right. So when you hear of people who go out and they go, and the bill was sort of, you know, £900, £1,000, what sort of food are you eating? What are you eating for that? We had smoked salmon, homemade tomato soup. I had some, some pork belly with crispy pork and some beautiful potatoes. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's dinner as far as I'm concerned. And people who spend, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds. If you're having wines, I can understand it. But if you're having a bottle of Prosecco, I think the most I've ever spent on lunch, I think, was about £300. Producer's just fallen under the table. (laughs) You can buy the whole, the whole of her place when she comes from for that money. That's an awful lot of money. I don't do, I wouldn't do it all the time. But a friend of mine thinks nothing of going out and spending. In fact, he's proudly showed me the last receipt for lunch, £900. For two people, £900. I mean, I couldn't bring myself... I'd have to do a runner. I couldn't stick around at a restaurant if a bill turned up for £900. I feel really guilty. Really guilty. Quarter past six. This is Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 6.20 is uh, the time I see that the Malaysian police have uncovered uh, from about 28 different... Uh, sites, about 139 graves. They reckon it's the remains of migrants and some contain multiple bodies. So I think there's about 20... 
eight sites. These are uh, suspected human trafficking camps. And uh, added to that, the Islamist fanatics have slaughtered 400 in uh, Palmyra. And uh, they reckon here, having captured the ancient city four days ago, they seized the settlement of 50,000 people, site of some of the world's best-preserved Roman ruins, on Wednesday, days after capturing Ramada in neighbouring Iraq. The Sunni militants have proclaimed uh, uh, a caliphate to rule over all Muslims from the territory they hold in Syria. Syria's state news agency said bodies were mutilated. Dozens of those killed were state employees, including the head of a hospital nursing department and all her family members. I mean, it really is. It's appalling. They could solve this problem so easily, couldn't they? They could actually, they could actually sort it out. Even Lord Dannett, the other day, the former chief of the general staff, who says we must not just sit back and hope things get better, because they're not getting better. They're getting worse. And we will not send troops to fight on the ground in Syria and Iraq. But uh, Lord Dannett has said, let's uh, let's sort of do it now. He says we should aid the the soldiers. And in fact, France, sorry, uh, America could do this as well. But for some reason, they're not. For some reason, they're not. They could literally solve this, this quite quickly. You know, all right, so civilians might be lost, but at least we could sort it out because it's just going to get worse and worse. Um, Linda says on Elpi Island, I water my geraniums in the morning. Do you? No, you mustn't water them every day. Good God, geraniums are so hardy. You sound like you're waterlogging. If you're watering in the morning, I mean, I would water once a week geraniums. That's it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't water them any more than once a week. Christine from the gardening programme says to water of an evening. Yes, you're supposed to water when the sun goes down. You're not supposed to water. Uh, if you're going to do morning, it's got to be really early morning. But lasting at night is supposed to be better as it gets cooler. That's what, that's what the experts say. Don't, don't water in sunshine. I've seen people, even councillors I've seen in, uh, in Westminster, I've seen them watering during the daytime. On roundabouts, they have their hoses playing out and they're, they're uh, sort of spinning jets of water. And you think, no, you never water in sunshine because what that does is that burns the plants. The water gets on there. Each little droplet acts as a magnifying glass, burns the plants. Result, throw plants out. Ridiculous. So watering late at night, you know, as the sun's gone down, the temperature drops much, much better. That's, that's what I would do. Anyway, uh, she did it last year and then the compost went green as if it was waterlogged. Well, do you know this year, my I've got a, a fig... In a pot. It's quite a big pot. It's quite a big fig, as it happens. And last year I watered it. This year I haven't watered it at all. And it's growing really well. Really well. I haven't put one... It's just literally surviving on the rain that falls from the heavens. That's about it. And it seems to be doing quite well. I don't want to tempt fate and tell it might go home and it might have died, keeled over. <laughs> 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Peter says... <coughs> no, they didn't, actually. Well, it was a few people, Peter, when Katie was on uh, LBC, but not worth worrying about. Not worth worrying about at all. Uh, they're not just a menace, says Ian, on the pavement cycles. There was a group of them yesterday taking up half the road. Oh, don't you hate... The, it's the ones who sort of put on the go-fast lycra. They're wearing the go-fast lycra and the go-fast stripes and everything else, and they really are a bit of a pain. Our Garfunkel was on Sunday night at the Palladium a few weeks ago singing The Sound of Silence. Malcolm said he was showing his age and struggling to hit the notes. Well, he's 73. I mean, even Barbara Streisand, at her advanced years now, she couldn't hit half the notes that she did do, but, I mean, it was still Barbara Streisand. That's what you're paying for. Uh, have you ever tasted shark fin soup? No, I haven't. I, don't, I wouldn't eat anything like that. I don't even like, in Chinese restaurants, what is it, chicken and sweet corn. Ugh, a glutinous mass of, uh, of, of horribleness. I think. Um, 
Ian says, I've just read the story and her hair is all extensions, so it's somebody else's hair. Yes, I mean, uh, yeah. I thought about having hair extensions. All right. thought about having hair extensions some years ago when somebody said to me, a very ill-advised person, we don't talk to them anymore, uh, oh, you're losing your hair. So they were straight off the Christmas card list. And, uh, and I said, oh, do you think so? Thinking, I'm definitely never going to talk to you ever again, so I haven't. And, uh, and now I have my hair cut, you know, in, in keeping with my age. It's sort of, you know, it's cut reasonably. I like it, you know, with a parting to one side. Not. I don't think there's any room for partings. But I did think about having hair extensions, thinking... And then I thought, no, it's just going to look silly. Because when you have hair extensions, what you've got to remember is it's extra weight onto your hair, which is very fine. And it drags the hair out. So that's why Jordan looks absolutely awful. Seriously, when she's had all her hair done in, when she's doing a television appearance, they'll come round and spend hours putting in all this fake hair. But the rest of the time, it's dragging it out by the roots. And that's why it doesn't look so good. So you've, you've got to be very careful with it. And also, it's quite expensive to have things like that done. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, another one here. Oh, this is talking about the invasion of the giant jellyfish. Now, I, I kind of grew up with sort of jellyfish. If you grew up near the, near the coast in Hong Kong, we had them on the beaches and everywhere. And sometimes you get whole swarms of jellyfish. They used to be little. These are huge. These are off the uh, the waters of Dorset. These are five foot, one hundred pound barrel jellyfish. These things can move at a pace. They reckon there's tens of thousands of them, and you don't want to get anywhere near them. We used to laugh about jellyfish years ago because when they would get washed up on the beach, it just looked like you know somebody had emptied a jelly onto the beach, and we were able to and you turn it over with a stick or something like that. You never sort of you never want to touch the things because we were always very fearful. But uh, the, we last got a glut like these in the eighties. I don't think a glut of jellyfish is the correct terminology, but uh, they aren't dangerous to humans. They only eat plankton, but they can sting. So if they're saying there's tens of that, I mean they do look lovely. When it's Tibet, you don't want to be swimming with the blooming things, thank you very much indeed, because it sort of, it propels itself, doesn't it? It sort of sucks in the water, pushes it out and that, and propels itself. But they're so beautiful, so beautiful, but I, I, I wouldn't want to be, uh, wouldn't want to be swimming with jellyfish. Dolphins, another matter, but uh, not, not jellyfish. So the, uh, the places where the house prices are soaring, and they've got a lovely picture of Sulcombe, it does look beautiful, it really does. When you, you know, as kids, you must have remembered when your mum and dad said, right, we're going to the seaside, and the excitement... The excitement in the family of going to... We're going to the beach. We're going to the beach. We can get a bucket and spade. And you'd sort of... And you and you drive in. We used to go to Bournemouth. Not because of any particular reason, but we, we, we did quite a few seaside resorts. And you go to Bournemouth, and as you drive along the seafront, there were all the shops with the buckets and spades hanging up outside and rock and sticks of rock with your name in and, and, and big inflatable things and balls and... Buckets and oh, it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. And so you'd go there, and then and you'd sit up. We we're so easily pleased, you know. You you take your little bucket and spade down to the, and you start making sand castles. I was forty-two, and sand, yes, yeah, sand at the seaside. Well, Brighton is well. No, there are bits of Brighton that's got a little bit of sand. Uh, South End is all mud, but no, you go down to some beaches. Bournemouth's got some nice sandy beaches. It's lovely. Have you not seen sand before? doesn't get out much, does she, really? It's not not here. You haven't said, oh, well, you need to go to Bournemouth. That's nice. Bournemouth's nice. You'll, you'll find some sand. Uh, I'll bring some in for you. You can get it all over the place. It's quite common in this country. She's never seen sand. And, um... <laughs> so, there's a lovely picture of Sulcombe. And you think, I could live there. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to have a boat that can take lots of people on and just go pootling around the bay, serving afternoon tea. 
I quite like that idea. But these are the best places. Solcombe, Sandbanks, as you know, is terribly expensive. Lots of famous... Harry Redknapp lives down on uh, Sandbanks. That's where, literally, people buy a house for two million, knock it down and put up one worth six million. Uh, Suffolk, a place called Alderberg. I've never heard of it. Sounds lovely. Limington is gorgeous. Average house price, 404,000. There's a, there's a thing you could do today. If you want to get in the car, go down to Limington. That's very pretty. That's, that's very sort of oldie-worldie. You can wander along. And, you know, all these places are looking for your... Your patronage. Dartmouth in Devon is lovely. Padstow in Cornwall is really nice. Very pretty. Lyme Regis. Get all the different sands, don't you? Budley Salterton. Bigbury. And East Wittering. Doesn't that sound lovely? East Wittering. You just imagine what that looks like. And the average house price there is £330,000. But I could, live by the, I could live by the coast. Every day would be like being on holiday. If you were a child again, you could go there. And you used to make your, your thing... You thinks I can remember we that I think it was on YouTube. There's a little kid, a little girl, and she's building um she's built a sandcastle with a moat. And what you do is you put your hands in and you scrape round, you make a moat, and then she was walking to the water with her bucket, filling it up with water and walking back. Unfortunately she didn't realise there was a hole in the bottom of the bucket. So by the time she got back to the sandcastle, there was no water in her bucket. So she turned it upside down and nothing came out. So she trudges all the way back down to the sea again, picks up the bucket of water, comes all the way back, no water. <laughs> Funniest thing ever. Shouldn't really laugh at uh, somebody else's misfortune, but frankly, I do thrive on that. <laughs> the more miserable people are, the happier I become. I don't know why. I don't know why. Oh, except if I see a car broken down. If I see a car broken down, I always do a quick prayer to go, please, Lord, don't make me laugh at them because it might happen to me. Uh, Steve, uh, this man cycled off before the police arrived. He deserves everything he gets. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. As far as I'm concerned, yes. You know, because uh, people have to uh, have to pay for these things. It's only because he was splattered all over the all over the newspapers that I think finally it uh, it got the better of him. Uh, the kids' parties I'll come round to in a moment. Do you know they cost more than a car. How much are you spending on? Ca- I know it's expensive, parents. I know it is, and uh, I'll tell you a cheaper way of doing it in a moment. It's six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Twenty six minutes to seven. It's the Twickenham Mayfair. Uh, Peter from Pets in Need Charity says, see you on the green. And Ian in air says, we have a Victorian cottage, semi, downstairs, front lounge, kitchen, diner, bathroom, utility room, upstairs, two double, one single bedroom, one toilet, fully enclosed back garden, double garage. We'll be lucky to get 190,000. Well, just to really, mind you, you are in air. You are out of London. I mean, just to really depress you in Twickenham, I told you the other week that they've just put up flats uh, and they seem to be putting up tons of them. Why you'd want to live next to a railway line, apart from seeing lovely Brian's happy little face in the morning, uh, because he's uh, just been nominated, I think, as being one of the happy people at Twickenham Railway Station. He has to put up with a lot of sticks sometimes. We've got a college, so it's not good. And these flats, two bedrooms, start at £550,000. Over half a million pounds for a box. Seriously, a box with, I should imagine, some fairly hefty charges, because you'll have a service charge. You'll have to pay for the electricity on the site, for all the lighting that will come on at night in all the corridors. There'll be a lift contract. That's got to be paid for. The cleaning of the corridor. Oh, dear, the decoration. I always say to people, if ever they say, oh, I found a lovely flat, or I found a house conversion, I always say, check, check, check. Find out. They'll, They'll never tell you at the beginning. How much is the service charge? Well, we haven't quite worked that out yet. I bet you haven't. I bet you haven't. Some service charges are astronomical because you're paying for everything. And if, if it's a service charge that you can look after yourself, you know, can you take over the running of the site? 
well, then that's worth it. You don't want somebody else setting all your rates. We actually set our own rates. So we, we try and keep it down, and we try and do a lot of stuff ourselves. But when it comes to a, a lift, cleaning, insurance... You know, it costs a lot of money to run these places. So your 550000 is the mere tip of the iceberg. You've then got to furnish the place. I think they come with two parking spaces. Where are they going to be? I've got no idea. They seem to be filling up this site, left, right and centre. Uh, so 190000 in air. Victorian cottage sounds delightful. But, dear Lord, I would, I would love to find uh, £190,000 property in London. Uh, Anne says, I'm 70 next year. My daughter-in-law told me when uh, had a bottle of champagne recently, to keep open the bottle fizzy, put a teaspoon stem down in. Not a lot of people know that. I know that. I don't think it works for very long. Bobbin Bracknell says, I think we should bring back Katie Boyle for Eurovision. Oh, right. That's a thought. Never thought about that, actually. Never thought about that. That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? And lots of people saying that, you know, they've been hit by cycles driving along the pavement. And, uh, and as Lulu says, you know, it's called a footpath. For a reason. Yes, I agree. A footpath for a reason. It's for people on foot. Ron the cabbie says uh, Frinton-on-Sea. Ah, oh, must go to Frinton. I re- it's the only place, doesn't it? it? Does it not have a Chinese takeaway or doesn't have a fish and chip shop or something? It's got a little pier. The Mayfair of the East Coast, says Ron. How lovely. Caroline had hair extensions once. She said, I came home feeling great. My husband laughed and the dog growled at me. They didn't last very long. They don't do that. When you, when you actually have them put in, you suddenly go, mm, they don't look as good as you thought. The collective noun for a jellyfish is smack. A smack, says Malcolm. Dean says, you must go to Oldborough, pronounced Oldborough. Oldborough. Oh, well, there you go. Learn something new every day, don't you? I learn something new. And Sue Ann says, every college has a hair and beauty Treatment, a training department, £4.50, wash and a blow-dry facial pedicure. Seems good, doesn't it? Jan in Aldershot has been buying bottle brush plants. Rare is hearing a skylark, says Dunk. A bicycle bell the other day. Also a legal requirement. Come to Cambridge, we'll spend a day pushing cyclists off the pavement. Could be fun. (laughs) And then Les says, I'm at home now. You remind me, when I gave the Jamaican porter $5, he looked hard at me. I then realised I'd given him too much, normally a dollar. We're hoping. We don't, we've got no idea, have we, on tipping. Not a clue on tipping. We really don't know. We don't know how much to tip somebody. I've, I've had to ask in occasions. On occasions, I've sort of said, how much are you supposed to tip on here? If it's, if it's a, a bill in a restaurant and say, I mean, for example, if the bill came to £70, I would probably put £6 down as a tip. But when you think about it, They've only brought, I know it's I've complained about this bitterly. I feel a bit mean. I feel a bit mean. But you, you, you go to a restaurant and, uh, and you tip somebody for bringing your food from there to here. And yet, you don't tip the girl in McDonald's, do you? You don't go to McDonald's and go, I'll have a large cheeseburger, blah, blah, and there's a pound for yourself. You don't do that. You don't do it in Burger King. You don't tip in Kentucky Fried Chicken. You don't, you don't tip in any of these places. And yet you go into a, a restaurant and somebody brings the food from there to there, a distance of about ten feet, and you have to tip them for it. Would it not be easy if they rung a bell and you get up and you go and collect your own food? You could save a fortune. I could serve myself. You go to the, you go to the restaurant and there's a tablet on the table and you push the buttons on what food you want and it just arrives. That'd be good. Children's birthday parties cost parents more than £19,000 over the youngsters' early years. That's more than the price of a luxury car. Is it? Sort of luxury cards you get for 19 grand. 48% of mums and dads spend up to £500 a year on each birthday. Well, I feel sorry for mums and dads. Especially because you've got kids at school, haven't you? And what happens is they come back and they go, OK, I've got two birthday parties to go to this weekend. You've got to go and buy a present. You have to, your, your child cannot go to a birthday party without buying a present. 
And also, the person who's giving the birthday party has to make sure that everybody goes home with a goodie bag. And parents have known to become quite ill with, with goodie bags because if there's 30 people in the class, that's about 30 birthday parties that your child might be invited to. Luckily, they aren't because not every child likes everybody else. But, you know, just supposing 15 birthday parties in a year, that's 15. You've got to buy a present. They've got to wrap it. You've got to do a card. Everybody has to do it. And then you've got to do the food for the party. What do you do for, for entertainment? You have a bouncy castle. That's fairly popular. Uh, some people have exotic animals, uh, show-stopping cakes. A fifth of parents lay on two spreads, one for the kids and the other for the adults with, you know, canapes and wine. I think that'll be for the adults. I don't think the kids will be having any of that. Michael Jackson, you know when he used to travel? He used to have his wine poured into a Diet Coke thing so that his kids wouldn't see him drinking. You'd think they'd realise when he got off the other end and went, Woo! So this is thriller, thriller. Stumbles down the uh, the plane steps. So, uh, spending money. I wish somebody would open up a party bag shop. That would be every parent's dream. Because apart from you show the birthday cake, then have birthday to you, birthday to you, and then you come back and you're going to start cutting the cake and then wrapping it in uh, in tissue paper or uh, kitchen roll, because it's the cheapest way of doing it. Some people do it in proper things. Uh, the goodie bag contains either a balloon, or probably mainly a balloon, a pencil, a rubber, for erasing things, uh, some sweeties, a lollipop, piece of cake, and a set of crayons or something. Like that. that would be in there. If somebody made party bags... You know, I know a lot of uh, magicians, if they're doing kids' parties, they, they can also arrange to make party bags as well. Some of them are quite good at doing it. Very, very good. But it's a bit of an art. You could go in there and go, right, this is a £3 party bag. How many of these do you want? 20. OK, and then you just do that. This is a £5 party bag. This is a super deluxe party bag at a tenner. You know, because parents have got to do it. And then sort of presents. You've got to have things in there that kids want. What do they want? I don't know. You know, my, my youngest goddaughter, I mean, she spends most of her time going to parties at the weekend. There's always a party. And uh, some of them are quite adventurous. Quite, a, I mean, I don't think she, she might have been to one with the bouncy castle. I've never noticed the bouncy castle ones. But I've, I've noticed all the other ones, which they've had in swimming pools. Swimming pool parties are very popular. Horse riding parties, very popular. But again, it all costs money, doesn't it? And, and people sort of, after a while, go, can you not make any friends at school? Because we don't really want to pay to go to parties. Uh, anybody send me some nice pictures of Frinton on Sea, please? Thank you very much, indeed. And if it's got a pier, uh, in my mind... And I tell you what, you can help me on this one as well. Danny LaRue made a film years ago called Our Miss Fred. And it starts off, he's in a little theatre, which might have been a studio, but he's on a pier. He's on a pier somewhere. And this is the most beautiful pier I've ever seen. I want to go to this place. There's all these places I want to go to. But Danny LaRue made a film which was called Our Miss Fred, where he played uh, a bloke who was in the army, but he did a drag show as well. It was all just a capitalise on, on Danny's talent of dressing up and looking convincing as a woman. But he's appearing on a pier. I want to know where that pier is. Go on, that'll get you going. You've only got ten minutes to find out for me. And uh, Steve says, Winnie, I live in a small community on the Thames. We have uh, to have the seawall repaired. £300,000 between 70 of us on top of the service charges. Wow. Mind you, think how lovely that is, though. Think how lovely that is. What, what views you must have. What views. And, uh, and then Steve says, I hear regularly that the service charge added to bills doesn't make it to the waiters. It's madness. I know. That's why I, when I go to restaurants, I always say, you can ask them this. Because I heard somebody discussing it on LBC the other day. It might have been, might have been Petri. On whether you can take the service charge off the bill. Yes, you can. 
You can say to them when they bring the bill, you can say before they bring, can you bring the bill, but don't put the service charge on. I prefer to pay you separately. I don't want the service charge going on there. You don't have to pay a service charge. You do not have to pay it. It's not compulsory. They put it on there and it's a printed, a printed bill, but you don't have to pay service charge. Okay. All, All you're basically doing is paying your waiter's wages, which is what the owner of the restaurant should be doing. I prefer to give to the person so I know it's going to them. Because I think in a lot of places, a lot of unscrupulous places, they would actually have it going into a pot and then it gets divided between everybody. So I always like, I like to give separately. I'm a, I'm a bit funny like that. So you can knock it off. Yes, you can. Uh, 84850 uk And uh, another one here. Tipping in McDonald's, says uh, Ian. Because you don't, you don't do it, do you? Why would you tip in McDonald's? He says, I have tried tipping once, but wasn't allowed to. The uniforms have no pockets to put money in to dissuade the staff from stealing. <laughs> what would you steal from a McDonald's? Good grief. Can't be anything you'd want to take out of there, would there? And um, I did ask uh, Will at the Barmy Arms if they had plenty of Prosecco. They have, says little Julie. So a nice chilled glass for you there after the fair on the green. Dear, honestly. Bless them down there. Bless them. We love them. We love them. Uh, Ian Payne is in for breakfast for today. Robert Fox, defence editor for the London Evening Standard, will be looking at the newspapers. And they're going to be talking about EU reform. They'll be talking about all all sorts of things. The bank holiday weather and uh, the triple murder in Didcot, police hunting for this man. All of that and the Chelsea FC victory parade coming up with Ian Payne at breakfast this morning, which is in 15 minutes' time. It's quarter to seven. Steve Allen on LBC. Hello. It's ten to, uh, ten to seven. Uh, Justin Urquhart-Stewart. <laughs> I used to do programmes with Justin Urquhart-Stewart years ago. We used to joke at Christmas. I used to say, how is Mrs Urquhart-Stewart? Lovely. He says, uh, he went to Berlin last week. Lots of bicyclists and all polite and helpful. Mind you, they had cycle lanes, but what a change. Got hit by a large lady on a bike, on the phone, on the pavement, on the Goldhawk Road. Perhaps I should just sit in the road. At least I'll be protected by the cones. Do you know, it's, um, I, I tell you what really annoys me, out of everything, and I'm not anti-cyclist, you know, you're really anti-cyclist, you think, I bet you've got a caftan and wear sandals, and uh, probably eat sushi. But I, uh, I'm really intrigued by the amount of people who never get stopped by the police at all, cycling along with their shopping on the handlebars of their bike. You know, they've got two big carrier bags either side. There was a woman the other day. I mean, she was practically carrying a canoe going down. So she was cycling with one hand and then she's holding this. I thought, this is dangerous. This woman should be, they should make them get off the cycle and push the thing. It's like, you know, somebody on a telephone on a bicycle. I think that should be, you should definitely be prosecuted for that. I've never seen anything so stupid. So I quite understand exactly where you're, uh, where you're coming from on, uh, on that one. Uh, very quickly. Chromapeer. Are you sure? Because Chromapeer was used by um, Alan Partridge in one of his things. You think it was Chromapeer? Do you really? Chromapeer. Anyway, uh, excellent, says Tony. I'm so pleased you told us all about the service charge on a bill at a restaurant. It's not the law, even if they say service charge included. They hate it. I love it. I used to be a manager of a restaurant. All it does is add to the total yearly profit of the restaurant. Trust me, it's not legal, but not illegal. Yeah, you can have it taken off. You don't have to pay the service charge. I remember once I was in a, a restaurant. It was in Twickenham. It's not there now. It went out of business, thank God. And um, and it was dreadful. They literally were waiting for the money to come in to go and buy some food. So we saw them going out to buy our first course, which was melon 
All a bit bizarre. And then they put service charge on, and so I crossed it off and just left the money on the plate, and we all walked down the road. And the waitress said, excuse me. I went, yes. She said, uh, you haven't paid all the bill. I said, yes, I have. I paid for all the food and everything else. She said, you didn't pay the service charge. I said, there wasn't any. I'm only paying service charge if the service, and there wasn't. Uh, apparently it was Chromapier in Norfolk, says Paul. Well, he seems to know these things. So, Chromapier. It looks lovely. In this Danny LaRue thing, it really does look lovely. That was Chromapier, was it? I'm so excited about that. <laughs> so I'm easily pleased. It doesn't take much on a bank holiday to make me, uh, me seem fairly happy, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Carol from Horsham says, I'm going to miss you for three weeks. What? She says, I go to L.A. to attend the trial for my brother-in-law's murder. God dear me. She says, we've waited over four years for this trial and uh, been given just a few days' notice. Bacopa for your baskets and pots. Very pretty small flowers. You get the trailing time and it doesn't drop. Long time faithful fan. That's what we like to hear on the... I'm, I'm, of course, I'm now delighted. Now I'm the Duracell bunny of the early morning radio. I've now got all these new Guardian listeners, which I'm very excited by. I wouldn't have thought... Gar- I think Guardian listeners would enjoy this programme. There's lots of information, lots of things to talk about. Have you visited Cruise Hill Garden Centre? Says June. Streets of wonderful nurseries. Yes, I know exactly where Cruise Hill is. Yes. Uh, I know it very well indeed. I've been there on numerous occasions. They're on both sides of the road. And uh, I love it there. I, lo- I love just love garden centres. And uh, Jeffrey says, I was listening to conversations about cyclists this morning. Why do some of these people think they're exempt from the rules of the road riding on the pavement? My wife's been knocked over twice, totally ignoring red traffic lights. Please do nothing. Maybe some form of licence and the need to pass a test. Well, we used to have, when I was younger, was there not the the cycling proficiency test but you didn't have to do it it wasn't compulsory but some of these people I mean anybody especially at night round London because we've got all the Boris bikes these are people who some of them are three sheets to the wind they can barely cycle ridiculous uh, David says uh, called Albra which is uh, Oldbra, very expensive has the annual Oldbra musical festival great concert hall generally classical Benjamin Britten all these places I need to visit, you know, ladies and gentlemen. And it's only one bank holiday today. Christina says, read the Tito Jackson interview. So enjoyed the interview. I've met Tito many times, and like the other Jackson brothers, always very pleasant, humble, and time for their fans. Interview going viral in the Jackson fan community worldwide. Oh, that's good. I like my interviews going viral. I'm very happy about that. Do you know the one thing we never talked about? Well, I don't remember talking about it to him. was Michael. We didn't talk about Michael. I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to sort of dredge things up for the uh, for the family. I think they they've had enough to <coughs> excuse me contend with over the years, and that was something I didn't think was necessary. But you can download the Tito Jackson interview uh, and Kit Harrington as well. And this week, this coming Sunday, I know it's only Monday, but this coming Sunday, we're definitely going to be doing Jim Dale and. I can't, I've got three other interviews to do this week, but we're definitely doing Jim Dale, and you will you'll love it. Really, he's super. I know lots of you have seen him on the uh, television. He's been doing lots of interviews around at the moment because his one-man show, which runs for a month, starts this coming Thursday. And I do know that Barbara's going on Thursday. A lot of people going to his first night. They keep inviting me. It's fi- trying to fit it in for me because I go to bed so early. It's just not, um, it's just not, uh, not right. Um, one here that says, uh, Jackie says, don't get me started about tipping. You can't compare McDonald's with eating out in a restaurant. Of course you can. Of course you can. They're bringing you your food. They're bringing you your food. In McDonald's, you queue up and get your food on a tray. They've got, but they move it. I mean, McDonald's, they just take it from here and put it on the tray and give it to you. 
In a restaurant, the waiter comes to your table and average of 10 to 12 times. Takes 10 to 12 times? Where are you going? Perhaps they're remedial. Takes drinks order, serves drinks, takes the... No, they do it all at the same time. You must be going to some really naff places. Clear the starters, serve the mains, clear the mains, serve the desserts, clear the desserts. Takes coffee, tea order. Nobody asks you to tip, but if you appreciate good service, why wouldn't you? But why are they not being paid the right money, Jackie? Why should we have to compensate for them being paid a lowly wage? And also, you don't you don't tip. All right, put it this way: loads. Of, you don't tip the woman in the supermarket, do you? Who sits there moving all your items over the thing and chatting away? To you. you don't tip her, do you? Do you tip the woman in in the coffee shop who's managed to make you a cup of coffee and, and delivered it to here, and then you collect it from there? Do you tip them? No. Why should you tip somebody in a restaurant? Why should you tip somebody in a restaurant for good service? What do you mean good service? What supposed to throwing the plates at you? I suppose. No, I don't think you should have to tip at all. I think it's got ludicrous. Got ludicrous. So glad I tuned in today, Steve. I absolutely cannot stand service charges. Should be your choice. Yes, it is your choice. You do not, just because it's printed on there, you just take take it off. Take it off. And if they say anything, call the police. Make us make a big scene. Make a big scene about it. Uh, Frinton has one fish and chip shop, Steve. No pier, no ice cream kiosks by the sea. Very sedate. Thank you, Julie. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Everybody knowing it's Chrome Appear. Chrome Appear. Ron the cabbie says, no pier at Frinton. The next resort, Walton on Nays, has the pier. There's one very, very pretty. Uh, Frinton, famous for the Frinton Flashers on Radio Caroline. Thank you. Milkman Mark, still working in Hemel. Really? My nine-year-old son's birthday next month, and he wants to take a few friends to Legoland, and I've just found out how much it's going to cost. <gasps> a fortune. A fortune. Lego. I mean, couldn't you just sort of buy him a box of Lego? Wouldn't that make it easier? <laughs> I think so. Do you know, the lovely thing is that um, I could sit here for days, but I don't have enough time. I have to go. I have to go and buy plants and, and, do, and do bank holiday things. But the good news is this programme is available as a podcast. Uh, and Christy will sort of take the programme and she will manipulate it and, and do all sorts of wonderful things with it. And uh, she'll take out the adverts. She'll take out, I was going to say the travel, but there hasn't been any travel. And she'll take out the news bulletins. And uh, then it's available as a download. So do download it. No free podcasts for today because we're here until seven o'clock. I hope you have a fantastic day. You know, I hope that you take the radio with you because, you know, at uh, 10 o'clock this morning, Katie Hopkins, I see, says in a, a fairly quiet, humble kind of a voice because she'll be listening. She'll be listening. She's an avid listener to the programme, so she'll be here. You've got three hours that you can goad her, do whatever you will, and uh, just be aware that uh, if you actually get through to her to speak on the telephone, she might actually wrap you in in knots, which would be quite, quite interesting to hear for everybody else. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, and it'll be exactly the same telephone numbers, only it'll be different for her. It'll be catered to lbc, I should imagine, .co.uk. So all of that available. Have a have a lovely, lovely day. You can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like by downloading the LBC app. If you go to the LBC website, uh, you can download it. It's free to download, and it's available for iPhones and for Android phones as well. So it's it's very easy. I promise you, you know, you can be nine or 90 and you'll understand exactly how to do this. I'm going to be back with you tomorrow morning from four until 6.30 being Tuesday. So it's a short week for you. Go out today. Enjoy 
everything that the bank holiday has to offer. But don't forget to take the radio with you. Coming up this morning on LBC, some different voices. At 10, as I say, it is Katie Hopkins. I bet she's gearing herself up now, sticking pins in her arms and everything else. I've got my little Katie Hopkins doll. She's sitting in for James O'Brien. It's a bit like chalk and cheese. But uh, next, in for Nick Ferrari this bank holiday Monday, it's Ian.